Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is one minute and five seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of August, in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. I am he. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Seriously, and to the guy who can create the non-tangle headphone cord, I... not going to happen ever. I mean, it just seems like a thing we should have had about 25 years ago. I don't understand. And it's always headphone cables. I don't understand why it's... It's not like the cable to your, the, you know, to your iron at home. It's not, it's not like it's the cable to your, to, to your electric skillet, you know, to your, uh, your osterizer. It's just... It's headphone cables. Oh, see, but there's another one right there. I thought I had all the knots out of my headphone uh, cord. And I have the, the sort of the, the coily kind, you know, it's, the, you know, it wraps around. Which I would think was designed for the sole purpose of eliminating or at least minimizing knots. And yet here's, and because, because I'm an anal retentive, obsessive, compulsive freak, I now have to stop everything to get this remaining knot out of my headphone cable. You know how I am about knots in my headphone cord? I am about that the way that certain people are about, um, like our friend Aaron Duran has that whole thing about stray hairs. Like, if there's, a, if there's a stray or a loose hair uh, on or near or touching or wrapped around anything, he can't, he just goes into some sort of paralytic uh, shock. He can't move. That's how I am about headphone cables. All right. Well, in, in the meantime, Jesus God Almighty. If you'd like to uh, join us today via the telephone, it's 503. That's another thing that it used to happen with. It used to happen with old school telephone cables where it was not so much the straight cord, but the coiling cord. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's, is that some sort of action that is caused by standing in place and turning around or moving your head? What is it that causes that, Tim Riley? You're at the news desk. That would be moving. You're not supposed to move. You should just remain stationary and yeah. uh, you know, immobile at all times. Uh, any of that. It's 503-228-4101 if you'd like to join us via the telephone today. 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com rick at rickemerson.com uh tim at kufo.com nibbler n-i-b-l-e-r at kufo.com is the email address for our production assistant greg nibbler who is in for sarah dylan who is in brooklyn today we'll speak with her uh later on you can also text at five two zero five one five two zero five one coming up joe rogan will be joining us at uh seven forty this morning we'll talk to joe rogan he's going to be in town so he's doing his stand-up. He's also going to be doing the ringside announcing for the UFC event. And he's got a new TV show coming out of some some such, some uh, comedy extravaganza. Uh, we'll also talk to Don Taylor from Movies.com. Uh, Dax Holt from TMZ will be joining us today. We have a double geek watch from yesterday we never got to. There's all these yahoos gathering all around the, the, the country for these, uh, these town hall meetings. We'll talk to Lisa Desjardins from CNN about that uh, and uh, and more things uh, of that nature. Good morning, Tim Riley. How are you? I couldn't be better, thank you. I 
Good morning. I can't see Greg. Where did Greg go? Uh, we've yeah, got I these, don't know what's going on with these computers. Oh, computer it's these computer monitors. You get you lift them straight up using the. Uh, but yeah, you, pull, pull by that. Don't pull. Yeah, you pull by the other thing. It's going to fall apart. All right, uh, okay. that would be bad. That we've would be got terrible. these. Yeah, there's these two big flat screen monitors that look down at Greg, and they're on this. Uh, they're on this, you know, sort of hinged arm that comes down. But everybody sort of adjusts it to their liking, and I think. I think after I think when Buzz comes in, I think they get lowered a little bit, and so they put they get put right into this position that blocks us, so we can't really see each other. Uh-huh. Here's the other thing that tangles: it's not just headphone cords as such; it's the cords to like your iPod or whatever headphones. You know, the, the, the if you have an MP3 player, and those and it's like you'll put them in the drawer and they're they're fine. And then you come in the next day, and it's like elves have gone in and just spent the entire night knotting them into progressively smaller binds. Just. Uh... I'm going to move on. I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. We've got a, a pair of tickets to the Pedal to the Metal Tour we're going to be giving away at some point today. Uh, that is a Mudvayne Black Label Society, Static X, and more happening at the Washington County Fairplex on uh, Sunday, August 23rd. You can find that more at KUFO.com. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland, 505. The heat wave continues today with high temperatures in the mid-90s. It's going to be even hotter tomorrow. Oregon's unemployment figures have dropped. Not by very much, though. They were at 12.1%. Now it's 11.9%. That is still double of what it was in 2008. And it's 22.7% are still without full-time work. Now, only two job categories are showing positive growth, those being education and health care. No dogs in stores. That's a little reminder from the state, although Portland's one of the most dog-friendly cities in the nation. There are increasing reports of man's best friend licking packages of meat, <laughs> sniffing food, and urinating in store aisles. you got to stop it. Pets are not allowed in grocery stores. Argue all you want. The rules are the rules. How, if we can jump back on something for a second, before we get to the business of dogs licking packages of meat, mm-hmm. um, how is it possible that we have job growth in the healthcare industry if nobody can get any health care? Well, people are getting, those with health care, say, are on Medicare. Older people, older retired baby well, they're, boomers. They're getting more of it. Correct. All right, because. Uh, and that is paid for by a socialist program known right. as Medicare. Um, all right, so so because baby boomers are becoming old and enfeebled, increasingly more so by the day, mm-hmm. uh, so they are now consuming. Somebody so, has to manage all that fat. So they're, <laughs> so they're getting a disproportionate share of uh, of healthcare from a socialist system, of course. Well, that but that's the whole thing, right? It's like as we I think we noted this just maybe a week or so ago. We were talking about as soon as you graduate from high school, suddenly you don't care if there's year-round schooling. You know, you don't need summer vacation. You're all for 12-hour school days. You just keep little bastards locked up year-round. So baby boomers of course have health care. And so they're taken care of. So that's hence the uh, the sort of laissez-faire attitude towards health care for everyone else. They're mm-hmm. fine. They're all right. fine. All right. Well, that's as long as the baby boomers are healthy, that's what matters. They'll last forever. Well, Tim, they have to if they want to sit around and bore us with stories of how they rolled around naked in the mud in 1969. And how they prevent this country from changing, even though they're taken care of. How they were the greatest generation ever, and nobody today cares about things the way they did. And they won't stop reminding us about Woodstock. Stop it. We know all about it. Listen to more Neil Young. The music was crap. (laughs) Here's Tim Riley. So, now we have reports in Phoenix of about a dozen people carrying guns, including one with a military rifle, milling around the protesters outside the convention center. 
where President Obama was to give a speech, the latest incident in which protesters have openly displayed firearms near the president. We have the, this uh, from the Rick Sanchez show as he's talking to uh, Ed Henry, who's on the scene from uh, CNN yesterday. Let's see if this works. I, I did. I saw at least a couple of weapons, including an AR-15, uh, and it happened just across the street from where I am, and there was a large group uh, of uh, Obama supporters. Uh, and they were supporting the president on health care, and it was peaceful. It, it, you know, there were some uh, protesters across the street shouting things like socialism, etc. Kind of typical stuff you see outside of some of these events these days. And I happened to wade into the to the pro-Obama side to take some pictures, still photos, uh, and try to interview some people. And all of a sudden, I saw this gentleman who was anti-Obama. He was shouting something about socialism uh, with an AR-15 on his back. Uh, and it sort of startled me because at first I thought maybe it was it was some sort of law enforcement officer and I had forgotten about the open carry law in Arizona just off the top of my head because it's kind of jarring at first to see an assault weapon uh, in the middle of the street. But, but just to be clear, I'm, I'm going to interrupt so, you for just a moment. The person you saw that was carrying a yeah. weapon, was it the fellow that we're looking at on videotape now, this African-American gentleman with the glasses? It was not. It was another person. It was not an African-American. So there's multiple guys uh, with assault rifles yeah. just sort of wandering around outside the Obama uh, thing. And, and is it in Phoenix? This is Phoenix. Yeah. This is Phoenix. Is Fe this is Phoenix. The uh, This is the home of the anal beer bong. I suppose described, that, that uh, might be true, yes. This is from uh, this is from yesterday's. Wait, hold on. Where's my... Uh, Arizona is an open carry state. Anyone can legally have a firearm carried out in the open as long as it's visible. So this is, wait, hold on. Here's my, this is the soundbite from that drug story yesterday. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. Which I guess would explain any sort of uh, bizarre uh, behavior that you might see. So as long as, so as long as the guy's not hidden, like if people can right. see that you've got it, you can kind of be carrying anything around. Right. And by the way, these are designated public viewing areas anyway, so they'd be kept really far back. But, you know, these are little intimidation tactics that the Republicans are using and right-wing talk shows are ripping people into a frenzy and all the night cases are coming up. It just seems like we're, we're on the verge of a real big bad somewhere, which is fine with me. It doesn't matter. I, 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 I really don't because care. Because what's going to happen is all these guys are going to be taken out in the back room and beaten anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's just a matter of time. They'll be seen one minute, then disappear the next. I wonder well, what happened to Harry. That's the... That, <laughs> he'll be in a room next to the Branch Davidians. I mean, that's... Uh, Let's see if Glenn Beck can help them now. Well, <laughs> as, uh, as Mr. Creedy is coming and putting them into a black bag. As they're trying out another anal beer bong <laughs> of a different sort. <laughs> well, you know what's It's a beer happen. bong full of rape. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, well, on that note, we'll they take a push in their luck, really. <laughs> Take a break. We come back. We'll talk uh, to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. More from Tim Riley on the way as well. And uh, a pair of tickets to KUFO Summer of Rock. Keep listening. We're live from Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Stick a bastard in it, you crap. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. I got this weird uh, grittiness thing going on in the back of my teeth. I had a uh, I had a juice-based beverage uh, earlier this morning, and I wasn't able to brush my teeth, and so I got that like uh, I got that kind of citrusy sort of uh, grit thing going on. 
I'm not able to uh, not able to scrub out the inside of my mouth uh, to a level to which I find it acceptable. So I'm just saying, if at any point it sounds like I'm going a lot, it's, it's because I lack. Here's the thing: is I have a toothbrush, but I have no toothpaste, and that's a thing you don't really appreciate. You take it for granted until I was going to bring you some today, but I forgot. No, it's my own fault. I should have some. I'm just saying. It, it, I I did this thing of moving everything into my travel bag when I went to New York last week, and I have moved everything back. So now my uh, whole routine. It's it's like a stone in my shoe. So I'm uh, it's okay. I'm working past it because I'm a professional. But uh, also, uh, the other thing is, so I came back to Portland. Today is Tuesday, so I flew in Sunday night. I landed Sunday night at like midnight, went home just long enough to grab Mad Men on DVD, and then came here and watched the Mad Men finale or the uh, the season premiere rather uh, Monday morning at like two a.m. or something. So I went home last night and I went to bed at like I don't know probably eight thirty or nine o'clock, and I slept to about three thirty this morning. But I've got that weird because the thing is the fatigue never hits you like the day that you've gotten no sleep. It's always at least for me it always skips a day. So I've got that weird every other day uh, the, the kind of um, shock to the system thing going on where I think I'd like all of the, the, the jet lag and the weird time changes the kind of hitting my brain all at once. Coming up later on the day, we'll talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles about Michael Jackson. We'll also talk to uh, Dax Holt from TMZ. Uh, Joe Rogan is going to uh, be with us at 740. And Don Taylor will talk about new DVD releases coming up at 7 o'clock. At the news desk, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the KUFO News Center, downtown Portland, 524 now. The heat wave continues. Temperatures will hit the mid-90s today. A man suspected, this is a weird story, a man suspected of following and assaulting a teen after she exited a TriMet bus has been arrested. The 17-year-old victim told police 23-year-old Rodolfo Claudio Marquez began bothering her on the number 62nd, uh, 67 bus toward Rock Creek, followed her home after she got off the bus at 7 o'clock. Then he allegedly propositioned her at her Southwest 173rd Avenue home, and when she refused, he reportedly manhandled her and punched her in the face. Well, the victim's dad alerted authorities, and he was arrested a short time after How old that. is this, uh, the girl? Uh, she's 17, and he's 23. Ugh. Creeps on buses. That's the uh, 67 bus over on the west side. Well, and, and I was uh, taking, uh, what was what was the uh, what was the, 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 the max that I was taking a while back? It was, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks ago. And it was, I had to take just a, like a short little jaunt there. And I think it's probably good. Everybody ought to be forced to take the max about every 30 or 45 or 60 days, just so you can sort of, you know, keep in touch with all the different layers of your community. It's kind of like a... Uh, you know, it's one of the facets that makes it's one of the threads in our cultural tapestry. And you sometimes forget that 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 level of humanity exists. So it's a sort of a forced exposure thing. So you can be aware of all the people in your neighborhood. Or how about the trolley? That's becoming the second worst people mover. <laughs> the tr- you mean the one that goes through? You're talking about the one through downtown? The, the one that's it's faster to walk than to take. The, uh, the, the uh, It goes like a half mile an hour. <laughs> It's the, it's the free one, right? Yeah. And, it's the, and it's supposed to look kind of like a San Francisco trolley, but it doesn't really move. Is that the one we're talking about? It has people eating the worst food. Somebody opened this bag of chips that smell like cow manure, and they're sitting there <laughs> eating them, and everyone's grossed out holding their noses, and they continue to get to the bottom of the bag, and they still weren't done by the time I got off of my stop. And there are no windows that open on those no, things. No, no, of course so not. So you're yeah. stuck with whatever odor is in the... It's like being encapsulated into this thing <laughs> that's designed to kill you. 
I think that's how they described it to the city planners when they asked for the budget. Look, we'd like a thing that is uh, filled with a rank odor, and that is, in fact, <laughs> on really some is. level, lethal. How do you feel about such a proposal? Every time I'm on the TriMet, there's always a guy eating cheese corn. It's always there some always guy. There's people eating. It's, and to me, here's what I always get. It's always, this. it's like variations on the same guy, and they all look like that guy, uh, Grossberger from Stir Crazy. Mm-hmm. It, I'm always on the TriMet. There's a guy who'll be sitting there on the Macs, and it's like he's just come from Lloyd Center, and he's got like the big box of cheese corn, and it's that box from. The, and don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of the of, of that uh, what, the the cheese corn emporium or whatever that whatever that place is at Lloyd Center by the skating rink. It's not like I don't. It's not like I don't eat there because I do. But there's always the guy who's gotten the box that is so big that they then before he leaves the store they have to put it inside a plastic bag. So it is a it is a box of cheese corn inside a bag, like to catch the spillover, you know, to catch the runoff. And he always sits directly across from me on the max, and he has the hand just going in like some sort of a construction device, scooping the cheese corn just into his cavernous maw. And then because he, you know, waste not, want not, and a penny saved and all that, he then just begins the laborious and sort of excruciatingly detailed process of licking all of his fingers clean about every five or six. Uh. But as you said, that's not even the worst part because you can shut your eyes. But I'm here to tell you, friends, there's no shutting your nose. No. There's, I mean, unless I want to sort of jam the corks up my nostrils. There's nothing you can do to get away from the scent of that guy's body odor mixed with whatever it is, that, that day glow substance that they spray onto the cheese corn. And then here's the the other thing is it doesn't matter what you're listening to or how loud the volume is on your you know your iPod or whatever. There's always that one thing you don't want to hear, and that is the thing that is at the right frequency to slip into your aural cracks. So I always sit across from that guy, and no matter it doesn't matter how loud I'm playing my you know Slayer record, I always hear the guy going. It's like it's it's like just the right sound level that my brain can't shut it out. So I know your pain here. And this time when I rode Amtrak to Seattle, because I'm always sitting next to the screaming kid, I brought these headphones with me that cancel out all noises now, on Amtrak, so I can watch movies and keep these on for the entire trip on Amtrak. Now are they actually the, the like the Bose the noise canceling no, style but, headphones? But but uh, they pinch my head so much that I can't possibly hear anything. <laughs> So it's not really through technology so much as it is kind of a brute force on the outside of your head sort of a thing. It worked just fine for the entire three hours. I always wonder, okay, you hear about those noise-canceling headphones a lot. And of course, you know, if you work in, in radio or anything you know, like that, you, you become kind of a big headphone nerd. But I always wonder about those noise-canceling headphones and whether that's a scam or whether it actually works. Has anybody ever used those? Greg, yours aren't noise-canceling headphones, are they're, they? They're partially noise-canceling, yeah. They're powered by batteries. They block out a lot of stuff. Like, I can't hear myself snapping right now. Really? Yeah. Now, is that because of the thickness of, in other words, the actual design of the headphone? Or is it because they'll show that diagram where they say, like, you know, here comes a sound wave to disturb you. And it shows a sound wave coming from, like, a guy mowing the lawn. And then it has it has this crude sort of cartoon depiction of your headphones putting out the inverse sound wave, so it cancels out the noise, which just seems impossible. That seems like a thing that can't be real. Yeah, I don't really know how these work. All I know is I turn them on and I can't hear anything. Now, were those expensive? If I can ask, how much were those? Uh, these are very expensive. I didn't have to pay for them, but they are like 350 400 bucks, something like that. See, and I wonder about that because you like the headphones I'm wearing now are like, I don't know, I think they were like 120 140 something, which may I mean, which might sound extravagant, I mean, to just, you know, to the average person. But if you're working in radio, you know, you wear headphones all the time, and so, you, you know... 
and I spent a lot of my uh, a lot of my youth buying fifteen dollar pairs of Koss headphones that would last me like six weeks, and then they would snap. Especially because you were always working with a bunch of dirtbag idiot DJs that would rifle through your your stuff when you weren't around, and you'd come in on the you know, Monday and it'd, there'd be like Triscuit crumbs all over your headphones. So I would, so I started buying you know like kind of high quality stuff so I could you know just take it with me and not not worry about it you know falling apart. Um, but those noise canceling headphones. That seems like a sharper image kind of a thing, which I say with equal parts sort of skepticism and love because I I really do I have a particular fondness for gadgety type devices, but that just that seems like that seems like those those weird plastic ball things you're supposed to put in your laundry and then it like cleans your clothes without soap. I just I inherently disbelieve it. All right, uh, let's do uh, one more here and then we'll get caught up around the corner. Here's Tim Riley. The Smashing Pumpkins welcome a Portland native as its new drummer, 19-year-old Mike Byrne, will start jamming with band members on the next album and tour. He found out the band was looking for a drummer on the internet last spring. He flew into L.A. for an audition where he played with lead singer Billy Corgan. Corgan said Byrne is a stunning blend of power, speed, and grace. He's been playing the drums since he's been 11 years old, formed his own band at 15, and played in several local bands since then. Do we know uh, what local bands he might have played in? Let's see here. I'm looking here. It doesn't say. What happened to what's his name? Jimmy Chamberlain. Is he not? Uh, is he no longer part of the project? I have no idea. All right, Greg. Do we yeah, know? I don't know. I don't it, know. I Jimmy... have to ask Chris Panic. Maybe he knows. Was Jimmy Chamberlain the guy that they kicked out after what's his name overdosed? I he think... had a heroin problem or something. Yeah, yeah, he had a heroin problem, and he he was like stealing something too. I think. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know which guy this one is, though. I don't know why, stealing but when you said things. stealing, like, when you like CDs, when yeah, I was just, I was just gonna say when you said stealing something, I had a picture of him in Billy Corgan's dressing room shoving compact discs into his into pants, a backpack, <laughs> shoving a bucket of chicken under his shirt. Where'd you get those CDs, Jimmy? <laughs> uh, nowhere, Billy. Uh, I found them. A guy gave them to me. What's in your? Is that my bucket of chicken in your pants? No. I think, but I think it was that he was doing smack or something. I hope, I hope that's true. Otherwise, I'm just accusing a guy of being a junkie. <laughs> but I think he was doing smack, and then somebody else overdosed, and they kicked him out. But then they brought him back for whatever the final album or whatever the. Ha- I don't, I don't really follow the Smashing Pumpkins like all that, all it that seems closely. Like Billy Corgan has kicked everyone out anyway. Well, because he's that he's that guy that every that every band like that has, where he is the co- he's the sole constant, right? And everybody sort of rotates around him, kind of like a Nine Inch Nails, like a Trent Reznor kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose it would be, yeah. I will say this, uh, that if you're a fan at all of sort of uh, like kind of power pop or sort of uh, that kind of Fountains of Wayne, Matthew Sweet thing, uh, uh, what's his name, James Eha from Smashing Pumpkins is in this super group, this one-off super group called Tinted Windows, where it's James Eha from Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Adam Schlesinger from the Fountains of Wayne, Bunny Carlos from Cheap Trick, and then of all people, Taylor Hansen, who's that middle Hansen uh, uh, kid who looks like a cute girl. And they're in this they're in this band called Tinted Windows, which put out a self titled album earlier this year, which is uh, fantastic. So I uh, do try to catch that. All right, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Is the that was odd. Five zero three. We'll fix that in post. Five zero three two two eight four one zero one is the phone number. Coming up uh, later on, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop, Don Taylor from Movies dot com, joining us at seven and at seven forty. Joe Rogan. And stay there. Back after this, we are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Tuesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain, your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO.
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. By the way, I solved my, uh, I solved my dental woes. I realized that because I'm kind of a slob, I don't really clean my toothbrush all that often. And so if I just ran the toothbrush, like the head, like the bristle part underneath the faucet, there was enough sort of encrusted old toothpaste that it kind of gathered around the edges that it sort of formed like an ad hoc. It was sort of like a, it was like a toothpaste from concentrate, like astronauts use. And so just by running it under the water and then brushing with it, it created its own toothpaste, sort of like how dog food creates its own gravy. Wow. Just like that. This is just like breakfast with Roger and Irene. <laughs> it's a pop culture reference. That's uh, for only a couple of people. That's right. And Arthur Godfrey was there too, looking splendid. All right, there's your one percent joke for today. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. You can also text. Uh, I should note, by the way, I can't actually read any of the text. You can send them. I won't be reading them or uh, seeing them in any way because I'm not able to get on the uh, network at the moment. We've got some sort of an issue. Are you guys able to get online? Is it uh, is it wired where you are? I am online and reading the text. Actually. Yeah, see, I'm not yes. able to. Uh, unable to do that. So uh, you know, you send things. I won't. This is your chance to send scornful, hateful messages about me, content to the knowledge that I will not be able to read them in any way. They'll go right to Greg and Tim instead. Uh, you can text at five two zero five one five two zero five one. Coming up later on the day, a pair of tickets to see KUFO Summer of Rock, the pedal to the metal tour, starring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, Static X, and more. That is on the way. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop as well. Lisa Desjardins will uh, talk to us about all these nutcases who are gathering all over the country, uh, holding guns and with those bandolero things or whatever, and stomping around angrily outside, you know, like town hall meetings or whatever. Um, and Don Taylor will talk to us from, uh, about the DVD releases, and Joe Rogan uh, will speak with him at 740. This at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. It is now 545. The heat wave continues today with high temperatures in the mid-90s. 23-year-old Danny Williams Jr. is accused of stabbing his brother's teenage stepson, at their home in Oregon City, police say the attack was unprovoked and they were able to arrest Williams for the incident later. The boy is uh, reportedly recovering from his wounds at OHSU. Williams will head back to court August 24th and apparently heard voices as he was standing over this guy telling him to do it. <laughs> Whatever. An elderly Lewis County, Washington man said his dog saved him from being eaten by hungry cougars. Raymond Orts, 89. He crashed his ATV while riding out in the woods near Centralia, broke several bones, spent two days and nights injured in the cold and rain until relatives found him. He told paramedics his black lab, Jake, protected him from several cougars while he was injured. He told the paramedics the cougars had appeared, and when he saw them out of his eyes, uh, basically the dog fended them off. Orr's family said they're thankful for the dog's dedication and Orr's determination to pull through. They know he'll survive. And he has to thank his black lab, Jake. And this was where? Centralia. So, so okay, so this is, so so Centralia is, is that by Ellensburg? I can never remember where No, no, Centralia is, what am I thinking is of? one of the stops on Amtrak after you get out of uh, Longview. Right. And so, it's the next stop. See, it's, where was, it's where I was stranded out in the middle of nowhere for three hours, all the trains passing me by and no food. Longview is another place here. where it's like, I, I should know where it is by now, but I never Longview, do. Longview, Kelso. Yeah. Yeah. See, and I don't, that's, a, that's sort of a vague, ill-defined area in my head. Like I, my head is a, my head is sort of like one of those maps, uh, like from the, like from the Leif Erikson uh, days where there's just, 
You know, it says like Greenland, and then beyond that, it just says dragons, you know, or something like it. And then the, the, the map just fades off into nothing, and then there's like an ogre standing at the edge of it. I mean, I know where, I know where like uh, everything around my hometown is, and I know where Seattle is, and I know Portland. But then once you get outside, like once I get about 25 miles outside of Metro Portland, it just becomes a bunch of weird, ill-defined areas, and I don't really know where, where any of them it, are. It's like a non, nonstop junkyard from Vancouver to Seattle. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's just nothing, just nothing but prisons and apple orchards. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Twelve angry fetuses. A Tunisian woman will soon find out if kids are really cheaper by the dozen. Who wrote yeah, this? yeah. Well, the British tabloid The Sun reports a teacher in the oasis town of Gafsa is pregnant with 12 fetuses. The woman is determined to uh, defy medical advice and carry the entire brood to term. If all six girls and six boys live, the unidentified woman will hold the record for live births. Take that, Octomom. The previous record set in Sydney, Australia in 1971, but all the babies died. The so-called Octomom holds the record for healthy live births. It isn't clear whether the Tunisian woman with the 12 fetuses uh, is feeling okay. Her husband, identified only as Moran, said they don't suspect she's carrying more than twins. Her husband identified only oh, as they what? didn't suspect Moran. So it's, here's it's an, one of those ethnic names. Is this an unsourced story from from the sun? From the sun? From Tunisia? Their joy, their joy is increasing with a growing number of fetuses. <laughs> okay. Okay. I Tunisia is another place that I really I only have the vaguest awareness of. I only know Tunisia because Tunisia is the is where they filmed all the Tatooine scenes for the Star Wars uh, the movies. Uh, Tunisia is you know it's like when you see uh, when you see R two D two and three PO and there's you know they're trudging through the uh, you know they're trudging through the desert or whatever after after crash landing the escape pod in in Episode four. And that's Tunisia. That is the extent of my Tunisian knowledge right there. That and the fact that apparently Moran is, you know, the, the name of much joy and honor for the uh, for the male inhabitants. Here's Tim Riley. So Mad Men premieres with record-setting ratings. Season 3's premiere saw a significant viewership increase, up 33% from last year to 2.8 million viewers. So it is a kind of source program. Only the smartest of the smart watches. And that's all the smart people there are in America, apparently. Moreover, adults 18 to 49 jumped 71% from 705,000 to 1.2 million. You can still use that cube number from the premiere. An AMC uh, repeat of Mad Men, which also garnered 4.1 million viewers. That's so, up 29% from last year's premiere cube. So I want, how does that work, though, if, they're, if, if people aren't watching it? Because, you know, I went home last night and... I was, uh, for some reason, I just wasn't taping Anderson Cooper. Uh, and then, you know, as part of my nighttime ritual is watching Anderson Cooper, and then I'm doing whatever, and then I go to bed. Um, but And I, you know, I turn on my TiVo, no Anderson Cooper, and then I realize it's because I have the season past a madman and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, th- but the upshot is they were playing that season three premiere like every three hours. Yeah. I mean, they they ran it like 12 times a day. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how does that affect... Like the ratings thing seems almost impossible to judge with any accuracy now, because that only counts people who watched not just the first episode and not just the first episode that night, but it seems like it only counts the people who watched the first showing of the first episode that night. In other words, right. it would be like trying to judge how many people uh, saw District Nine over the weekend by counting only the people who went to the ten forty a.m. showing. On like Saturday, right? Because then, then kind of anybody who saw any of the other screenings later on in the weekend, which is that's you know that's the thing with this. So, or do they do some aggregate number where they tally up all the people who saw the season three premiere within the first day? I mean, I have, I have only the vaguest understanding of how that works. 
Also, they they also note that uh, create your own Madman was uh, downloaded four hundred eighty five thousand times. That's the thing where you could make the Facebook yes. like avatar, which I didn't, and the only reason I didn't is because everybody else had done it, and I figured I would just look like a Johnny come lately to the whole uh, to the whole business. All right, straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley. Jim Roop will join us from CNN Radio, Los Angeles, at uh, six twenty as they begin. I think the auction off Michael Jackson's things again. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins at six forty, and Joe Rogan coming up in the seven o'clock hour. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. You're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. On Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101 coming up at 620. Uh, We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. From Los Angeles, later on, Don Taylor from Movies.com. Joe Rogan will be uh, speaking with us at 7.40. And uh, Dax Holt from TMZ at 8 o'clock. So I got a bunch of email yesterday about this this drug scare story from from Phoenix, which is from ABC 15, the the ABC affiliate in Phoenix. And it's the one that has, where's the... uh, Even more graphic, anal beer bong. That right there. So we'll get to that in a second. And then later on, we didn't get a chance to do this yesterday because I sort of assumed that that Greg would have heard of, that you had followed the whole Jenkum scare of 2000. Was it, it would have been 2008, probably. It would have been early last year. And it was this kind of drug scare that went around that it's so absurd, I, I can't even really begin to describe it. So I'm just going to have to play the news stories for you later on. We'll do that, like, uh, next hour. But it's backstory. We'll play th- this piece that just came out of Phoenix over the weekend. So we played the whole thing yesterday. We'll we'll do it uh, here as soon as we uh, follow these headlines with Tim Riley. Tim Riley, what uh, stories are you tracking for the good people of Portland? Bill Clinton tells a heckler to go join the town hall protesters. 47% of American Idol viewers won't miss Paula Abdul. And cash for clunkers is a boon for Japanese auto sales. So what is the deal if you if you do the cash for clunkers thing? If you, you take your car in, that doesn't, because it's not like, they're not giving you like a voucher or something. In other words, they don't have to cough up the money until, does, is it a thing that you then write off for your next April 15th taxes? Yes, you can do that. Okay, but I mean, that's, in other words, they don't have to have the money on hand. I don't think so. Now, because there's all this discussion about, well, they've got to find out where to get the next batch of money. But it's not a thing they're going to have to worry about for a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, not, it's going to be months before they have to cough up for the government has to figure out how to pay for it, right? Right. Well, I mean, in that time, we'll, I mean, we'll, we can always just print more, right? I mean, that's we'll, what we always do. I mean, that's, 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 that's what money is for. That's kind of our go to solution for everything. It's just some guy eh, cranking out mimeographs in a basement somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right. It's uh, 503-228-4101. Before we do anything else, then, let me just play this. And I w- as we proceed, just keep in mind, ladies and uh, gentlefolk, that this is, in fact, a real story. I haven't fabricated this. I haven't altered I haven't edited it. I've just, just left, it, uh, left it as it is. So this comes to us from ABC 15 in Phoenix, and somebody sent this to me over the weekend. The only visual you really need to know for this is that the bulk of the story is a woman sitting at a table demonstrating ways in which uh, young people will sometimes uh, hide their narcotics uh, from parents, which is like how my uh, like my older brother, uh, I won't identify which one it is because they're all basically dirtbags, but one of my older brothers, in a thing that just seemed designed to horrify my mother to her core, actually hid his weed inside a Bible. And I know there's all kinds of things that guys uh, do, like, you know, guys just spend the, the, about 80% of their high school years trying to figure out, you know, things that they can make into a bong or something. Like I had this friend of mine, my friend Rob, who figures into most of my stories, he had this whole thing where he would make a bong out of an apple, 
And he had honed it to just like such perfection, his whole technique, that he could do it at parties because in his in his mind's eye, that was how you impress chicks, was showing them exactly – like he was this – you know, it was like a balloon artist who can – you know, the, you give him a balloon and he can turn it into – here's a giraffe, here's a zebra, here's a whatever, here's a Chrysler. And Rob's whole thing was anything could be turned into a bong. It didn't matter what it was, ballpoint pen or like a pear. So my brother – I'll just say it was my brother Dave. My brother Dave had this whole thing it, for hiding his weed – inside books and then my mom figured out at one point that he was doing that and so she'd come home and she'd look at his copy of like you know uh you go ask alice or something and she'd flip it open and there was the whole cutout square on the inside and then he hit upon the idea of hitting the weed inside a hollowed out bible because he was under the impression that my mom would and i don't think my mom did uh suspect it i think it was by accident I think she may have actually just been wanting to read the Bible for words of support from Jesus about what to do with her, you know, her hell-raising children. And she went to flip it open to, like, Le- Leviticus or something, and there was just a whole section of pages missing, just a big pile of weed. Um, so it, kids hiding drugs from their, uh, you know, from their elders or other authority figures is, uh, you know, that's a time-honored tradition in this uh, country. But apparently they're taking things to a new level in Phoenix. So we'll play you this, and then next hour we'll, we'll give you the all-time great drug scare story, which does come from last year in these United States. But from uh, this past weekend, this is from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. An alert for you parents tonight as the school year begins. There are brand new ways kids are taking and hiding drugs. We want to warn you, though, this story is graphic. And only on ABC 15, Nicole Byer talks to one person who knows all the tricks to help you spot the warning signs. Let's just say drug use triples. Between 6th and 8th grade. Triples. So you might not like to hear it, Stephanie Siete says she's seen it all working with Community Bridges, a substance abuse treatment and detox center. If you look at something like the water bottles, we're Arizonans, we drink a lot of water, but this one's unique because it's a storage, it's a stash area. Not only are kids stashing hash in hidden compartments, but the latest trends include snorting vodka, snorting vodka shots, even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. <laughs> it's quicker absorption, it's, it's, it's hidden, and it, it's new. And for females, I mean, they're damaging their reproductive systems. But that's not all. If you think your kid is studying, look a little closer at their highlighter. It too becomes a pipe. Lipstick works the same way. So she's showing like these weird, like these James Bond, uh, you know, like these gadgets. So that, she's uh, not showing tampons soaked in, in uh, vodka. No. Uh, well, she has a tampon sitting on the table. Well, she's dim- like in case you don't know what uh, what one is. By the way, the only thing I will say is this: I don't know who this reporter is. I mean, she's completely generic and without any like. There's nothing unique or distinguishing about her. Mm-hmm. I will give it to her that she did not use the obligatory high lighter pun. Like she didn't she didn't make that pun. But this is all like this weird stuff that you would buy at you know at, like one of those sort of off brand uh, spy shop sort of a thing. But the idea of snorting vodka. I mean, apparently, apparently Pat Travers is the uh, he is the drug role model for everybody in Phoenix, Arizona. So having heard that, uh, when we get to the next hour, we'll play you all the Jenkum stuff from last year in case you uh, in case you didn't hear the most absurd drug scare story of all time. Coming up uh, in just moments, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Jim Root from Los Angeles, Don Taylor from Movies.com at 7 and Joe Rogan at 740. Stay there. We're live from Portland. More of the Rick Emerson show in mere moments. On Rock 101, KUFO. Now broadcasting 
everywhere. I'm a feminist, but look at my boobs. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. The business section of the Oregonian does it. It's just a big, uh, it's just a big frowning emoticon now. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. I like thing. the business section. Really? Even now? Even, Even these now. days, Tim? Even now, I, I want to read about the dwindling amounts I have in certain accounts. You want to read about the? Uh, you want to read about how we're on the road to recovery? The accounts that'll never help me into retirement. <laughs> well, at least you're zen with it. What did you say yesterday? Well, I'm going to oh. be one of those Mike Wallace, Andy Rooney types who's still working <laughs> into their mid-90s. Whatever happened to stability and retirement? All right. It's 503-228-4101. Thank you for uh, joining us. It's uh, the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Tim Riley, what stories are we uh, following for the fine folks of the River City today? Wow. Are the liberals mad at Obama, including Howard Dean? They're all screaming about this insurance thing, and apparently he's, he really is flip-flopping on things. And the Obama uh, Joker artist has been revealed as a 20-year-old Kosinich follower. Uh, well, read nutcase. The, uh, here's the thing about Howard Dean, by the way, real quickly, and then we'll uh, speak with uh, Jim Roop. Howard Dean is one of those guys who seems like he's probably so angry all the time. I picture Howard Dean only having two modes. Uh, he's on television, and I'm not, I'm not going to play the screaming sound. Now I am going to play the screaming sound. Uh, but I, I picture him sort of being on TV and kind of, you know, he's sort of like being really sort of amped up and angry about everything. But when he's not doing interviews, just th- they put him into a closet somewhere and they close the door and he sort of sits there like a computer processor. And he just goes <clears throat> and he squeezes one of those stress balls where the eyes bug out just over and over and over again. And then they let him out like Mongo from Blazing Saddles just to get on television and just sort of, you know, again. Or a Hillary laugh. <laughs> Terrifies me. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. Where did you get that noise of Hillary laughing? Is that from? I is that it recent? This morning, I know you love it. Is that from a long time ago? It is. And they put it back out again this morning for some reason. Was she doing that as she ground her hobnailed boots into the throat of an opponent? I, I guess her people just sent it out. As she as she Here's mocked classic Hillary laugh. As she mocked her enemies' pleas for mercy. <laughs> Like she's all like uh, she's all like Red Sonia and whatnot. Hello, Jim Roop. How are you? I am very well, sir. How are you? Is that the sound of you typing in the background? Uh, just finishing up something very quickly. I'm just wondering. Is, I'm not uh, complaining. I'm just saying. I was going to like the drama of the newsroom. I, I was. I was just going to say it's almost like the men of uh, the men of yours, sir. Sitting at a knocking. It really is because I'm the two finger guy. Knocking, <laughs> knocking out. I've heard that about you. Knocking out the. Uh, Knocking out the deadline. Second opinion. What? Racing for the payphones. That's right. Exactly. You, you, and all the other guys with fedoras, with press passes jammed into the brim, running there so you can get the uh, the big scoop out on the uh, on the on the teletyper. In my early days, some twenty twenty five years ago, I used to fight for phone booths. Really? Is that true? Oh, absolutely, man. You got to be the first guy in, and I have definitely pulled guys out of the phone. Really? Were you just? uh, I'm sorry. I'm Jim Roop. You're going to have to leave. I never (laughs) said who I was. I always, you know, I just. (laughs) I said, I need this. I'd say that I was somebody. I'm Rick Dees. You're going to have to get your ass out of there right now. <laughs> we awesome. used to do that for the, uh, the the pay phones at the New Hampshire Highway Hotel for the primary election, presidential uh, oh, yeah. primary election in New Hampshire. I remember. So there's we've gone through several stages of reporting, actually. In the, you know, I, I mean, just in radio, you've there was the pay phone, and then we had this thing, which I don't think we use any, anymore. There was this thing uh, called a, a, a Marty. 
And a yeah, Marty, Marty, yeah, a Marty was like a little, uh, you know, it was like a little remote broadcasting unit. But I don't think they use the Marty as such. The Marty is basically like a like a mobile antenna that you could take with you. But I think it's yeah, like it weighed about ten pounds. Though. Yeah, it was you just like yeah, you'd lug it around with you, and it was yeah. like a miniature broadcasting uh, antenna that would give you like a more or less. Um, clean sounding feed, so it didn't sound like you were on the phone. But I think so, an engineer told me that with cell phones and stuff now, it's like the electro spectrum or whatever the hell it is is just like so full of crap that it's impossible to get a clean signal. But you know, so now everybody's just back to the cell phone, which is great. But it does remove some of the drama because it's never going to be you and a guy from like uh, KNX, you know, like shoulder to shoulder trying to yeah. jam yourselves into a mob bell phone booth at the same time. That's true. That's uh, true. So let me ask you this question about uh, what's her name, Catherine Jackson. So she's. It, how do I put this? Is this, uh, to some degree, uh, sort of folks around her or handlers or business people that are kind of steering the ship, or is this really her? I think it- it's really her. I think because she's in the courtroom and she's sitting there and she's constantly talking with her attorneys. I, I think, you know, I just think she's not courtroom savvy, so she has someone else articulate what she wants. I, I think she's very involved in this. I, I'm, I was actually very surprised the first time I saw her walk in how much activity there was between she and whatever attorney may be, you know, whether it's um, the, the uh, probate attorney or whether it's the custody attorney, whoever it may be. She's very active with them during the court session. And so the theory is that she just doesn't want she doesn't want any of the Jacksons estate and the kids and all that stuff to, to sort of fall into the, uh, you know, to fall into the wrong hands because I, I think it's a fair assessment uh, on her part to say that there's just people circling around out there. I mean, we've, I mean, we just, I mean, just in the first 24 hours after he died, it's like everybody who ever passed him on the street was suddenly on television as a Jackson family spokesperson. Oh yeah, man. So yeah. I can't even imagine the number of, uh, you know, vultures that are kind of out there all like angling for a for a chunk of this. So what happens to the? Does it would it all go to her and like into a trust for his kids, and then they'd get it at some other point? Or I don't even know how the law works there. Well, they already get roughly sixty percent uh, that goes into Catherine Jackson's control, and her only thing is she doesn't want the special administrators. Now, she doesn't want to be the sole administrator. She understands the fact that these guys are lawyers uh, and, or they're businessmen, and they know how to make money. All she wants is a voice at the table, and they're not giving it to her. And so she had to get involved with the courts. And, and, and what she wants to make sure is that whatever business dealing goes on, uh, she wants to make sure that that's the best deal the estate can get and that everybody is above board with the dealing. She wants it completely transparent. She doesn't want anything being done behind her back out of fear that they will be screwed, you know, both she and the kids. And so there won't be 60% of whatever this deal might be because she doesn't know what that deal is and how much control she'll have over it. I think it's a, a shrewd move on her part. And the judge handling this case, he's very methodical, very slow. I mean, my God, you know, I, I, I had a decision on all this weeks ago, but he's taking it very, very slowly and, and rightly so. He's considering everything. In fact, he's even uh, appointed a court-ordered attorney guardian, if you will, for the kids to make sure they get their say in all this matter, too. So he approved one thing yesterday, and he's going to table another thing until Friday. Well, you know what she ought to do? This is uh, Catherine Jackson ought to, instead of, you know, because Gloria Allred seems to be the person everybody hires, but for this, she ought to hire, she ought to get Priscilla Presley. That's what Catherine Jackson ought to do. She ought to say, look, uh, I'll tell you what, you can get like, uh, you know, 40% 
of whatever you can keep 40% of whatever you can make uh, from Jackson's estate because you know he was just in such a economic shambles and you know he was at 400 million dollars in debt or whatever but you look at that Presley estate where Elvis people kind of forget about this but in the years immediately after Elvis Presley's death i mean his, his estate wasn't really making much money at all because Presley of course didn't know how to handle anything and he had what's his name Colonel Tom Parker around him who was you know guiding him into a black hole and pocketing all the money himself and Priscilla Presley is really the one who took control of Elvis Presley's estate. And there's a great book about this called Elvis Incorporated, where it's called The Fall, Rise, and, and, uh, and uh, no, the, the Fall and Rise of Elvis Presley's Empire, where she turned it into a moneymaker after he had died. And Jackson seems to parallel that in a lot of ways. So Catherine Jackson ought to just hire Priscilla Presley and be like, look, you know, do for Jackson what you did for, for Elvis, and you can keep like half of it. Um, because otherwise everybody comes in with their own idea of how to do it, and then they just pick it apart and there's nothing left. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I I think I think they'd be great partners actually if you think about it. But uh, Michael Jackson appointed these two guys to run his affairs for a reason, and I, I think you know something that could potentially be. I mean, these guys are talking about these deals that are in the works right now or that they want to enter into. It's going to make a hundred million dollars, and then every year after that, about fifty million bucks a year to that estate. Right. And, you know, Catherine Jackson, you know, she does. she's not trying to stop the deals. She just... She just wants a voice in it. Hey, by the way, in all of this, is it true that Michael Jackson's just being frozen somewhere like James that's Brown? That's what we're told. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, I can't get confirmation on anything. He's in some refrigerator at Forest Lawn, apparently, but Forest Lawn's not talking. And Joe's saying, we're going to bury him uh, on the 29th. So, good for Joe. I mean, is yeah, it, That's from People Magazine. Is that, he said he's going to be buried on his 51st birthday. Yeah. Okay, so, oh, so that's why they're waiting, because it was sort of unclear what they were waiting on. I mean, look, it, it, it's, there's a precedent for it. It took them forever to bury um, uh, James Brown, you know? So you got enough formaldehyde in you, and, and you're in a refrigerator. I guess James Brown was actually not only in a freezer, he was in a freezer in his own house. Uh, he was actually literally in his walk-in freezer in his kitchen, I think, for part of that time. And then they, like, stuck him somewhere. And he was, I mean, it was like nine weeks or whatever. It was just uh, James Brown just sitting, I mean, which, uh, you know, whatever. I suppose you're dead. You're not, you're not really, I mean, he's in no rush, clearly. So, all right, well. You know, but, and, but, they, you know, jo- Joe Jackson's saying that they're going, and, and there was no word yesterday that we were trying to get. You know, is this is this real? No one would comment on this yesterday at all. With all those attorneys, we thought for sure would get some sort of confirmation. But you know, Joe's saying it's going to be a private ceremony on the 29th at 10 a.m. at <laughs> this address. Oh, come on, Joe. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we're all going to show up there, and Joe will show up and go, "Hey, where's the hearse? Would you like to know about my new side project?" <laughs> yeah, really. Every time I see Joe Jackson, by the way, I just hear this little voice in the back of my head that says, "Heidi, Heidi, Heidi, ho." <laughs> I don't think he could say that. Looks just like Cab Calloway. Blu-ray um, Blu- funeral burials. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. On that note, my friend, have a fantastic day. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, there you go. Awesome. Excellent. Wonderful. More on uh, Michael Jackson coming up later on with Dax Holt from TMZ. Also more celebrity scandal. Uh, J- Sarah Dillon joining us from Brooklyn at 820. Don Taylor at 7 o'clock. Up next, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. And more from Tim Riley. You stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Tuesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone. As a rock star, you know, I was being a rock star in the music through Lump Biscuit and the rock star. The Rick Emerson Show returns.
from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us on this fine Tuesday. Coming up at uh, 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Don Taylor from Movies.com at uh, 7.40, Joe Rogan. Tim Riley, what headlines are we... Sorry, you were reached. Tim was just opening his mouth, and the coffee was like half an inch from his lips. Now I've denied you the greatest of morning pleasures. I'm sorry, that's Tim. That's okay. No, what comes worst here? Thank you. Coffee. That's, the, uh, that's the ethic that keeps this uh, program on the move, Tim. The, the heat wave continues with temperatures forecast for the mid-90s today. A woman and her dog are okay after plunging down some falls in the gorge. They left the trail. Liberals are up in arms about Obama pulling the plug on government health care. Sour grapes Republicans, wingnut talk show hosts, including Lou Dobbs, continue to encourage violence as they fan the flames of hatred for disinformation and propaganda for right-wing screamers and gun-toting nutcases trying to intimidate those attending public meetings and health care, and they're succeeding. Well, that makes for an awkward segue. From CNN Radio, let's welcome now to the Emerson Show, our good friend Lisa Desjardins. Good morning, and how are you today? Oh, I'm sorry, hello? Oh, well, maybe it's Ooh. not so awkward at all. Maybe instead it's just an awkward silence. All right. Did we? Oh, hello. Hi. Hey, Lisa. That's great. Is this another like I can hear her, she can't hear me kind of a thing? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can hear you. Oh, wait. Here we are. Are we both here? Hi. All right. There was a long period of silence there. There was like nine <laughs> seconds where nothing was going on at all, and I wondered if I'd gone mental again. No, no. I was actually speaking. I mean, I wouldn't be so cruel early in the morning when there's a lack of coffee. That's okay. That's okay. Don't. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was just some sort of a passive response to our uh, our Lou Dobbs comments, but that's okay. <laughs> no, right. not at all. Hey, I have a question for you. In the, there seems to be two schools of thought when you're trying to achieve. When you are faced with a large and daunting task, there is the underreach and there is the overreach, and I'll, I'll give you an example of both. There's the underreach, which is, for example, you'll see this in a lot of criminal prosecutions where they feel like they don't want to risk getting an acquittal. They don't want to risk some guy who they think did something getting let off because they can't get the whole enchilada. So they will convict him on a lesser charge. They'll aim for so they'll aim for manslaughter. Obstruction of justice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they get. Yeah, they go. Libby action. Yeah. Yeah, they go for. Yeah, they get Al Capone on on taxes because they can't get him on, you know, like, uh, you know, having dozens of people machine gunned. And then there is the overreach. Because you feel like, well, look, you know, we'll overreach, and then if they won't give us everything, we know that going in. But then, you know, they'll compromise by giving us something smaller, which is what we really planned on getting all along. Which of these, if either, does the Obama administration seem to be pursuing? Because right now it just seems to be a strategy based on the end goal of failing. Um, which really, you don't have to have that much strategy if your end goal is failing, <laughs> now that I think about it. I mean, they do seem to have planned it all out, though. I mean, it, if, you know, okay, what can we do to ensure that everyone ends up, uh, you know, uh, bitter and uh, full of uh, apathetic anger? You know, what's going on here, this is just a very tough debate. There's a lot of seriously, um, I guess you'd say, well-heeled, uh, very, uh, you know, well-funded groups that are on opposite sides of this issue. There are regular Americans not so well-funded on opposite sides of this issue. And you've got now Senate Democrats saying no way to a government-run health plan, um, just as an option, not as, you know, a single-payer system, but just as one potential insurance plan that, Senate Democrats say that's not going to pass over there, but then you've got House Democrats saying, oh, yeah, we're not going to pass something without that. And, and that situation leads to a very serious
serious problem for the president if those two sides can't find something in between. You know, they're talking about this co-op option. You know, it's not, I'm not clear you know, if that's really where things are going to end up. It seems pretty likely right now. It's heading in that direction. But, but you're right. Overall, President Obama and the Democrats, they, they shot for the moon here. They, they wanted everything. And I think an example is for exa- that there's a provision in the bill, a lot of your listeners know about it, about um, end-of-life counseling and what kind of treatment you want um, if you're nearing the end of your life or if you, if you end up in the hospital in a critical condition or a very serious condition, um, you know, to sign the various medical forms for what you want. Now, you know, in the bill, it provides that as an option once every five years that you could get that if you're under Medicare. Um, and Democrats see that as really, you know, just an option. We're giving people the chance to do that. But they don't understand that the other side of the issue uh, – say that's a very scary option because what you're doing is you're encouraging doctors uh, to really uh, tell older people uh, perhaps to turn away care and and they think the incentive there is is the wrong way but the point is that Democrats aren't dropping that it's it's a very controversial thing and so far in the house they're not dropping it but but they're going for the whole enchilada still and the fact is that pretty soon they're gonna have to drop some of those things or, or this is not going to survive well and also there's this co-op business, which I'm not even going to pretend to understand, and the reason I'm not even going to feign understanding is because for the last 24 hours, I've come to the conclusion that no one anywhere understands it. It just seems like this wholly confusing thing, which I will not sort of ask you to untangle because it seems just like one big snarl ball of, of medical yarn, but... But it seems like they're aiming for this middle option largely because no one really knows what it is. Therefore, they can't they can't oppose it all that strongly because they're sort of confused about what it actually consists of. It's all it just seems weird. And then and this is it's sort of related to this. A tonal question for you. Do you get the sense that uh, do you get the sense that we're heading for some sort of I don't know, some sort of something, some sort of conflagration somewhere? Because I know a lot of this the, the stuff at the town hall meetings and all the you know, these nutcases wandering around with firearms and that's all anecdotal. But it does. But stuff like that gets amplified by the endless echo chamber of the popular press. And therefore, other nutcase guys decide that, well, I guess this is our moment. Let's uh, let's all go out and cause some cause some stupidity. And then, you know, and then it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling, exponentially increasing thing. So you get the feeling like we're headed for some sort of a I don't know, some sort of a flashpoint somewhere. Wow, don't you wonder? It does feel like there's a, a lot of boiling going on, uh, a lot of outrage kind of on both sides. And now you've got MoveOn.org and those guys lining up, you know, counter-protesters um, across the street from the folks who are against health care reform. And, in fact, there was a fantastic um, kind of protest off yesterday in Phoenix outside of the president's speech at the VFW. And on one side of the street you had, you know, the anti-reform guys with some of the best chance – I've heard in a while uh, just yelling at the guys who were in favor of reform. The chants were something like uh, taxpayers over here, tax takers over there, which is really a complicated thing to be yelling as a group. (laughs) I mean, just the cadence of that. I mean, the meter and trying to keep everybody on the same syllable at the same time. It was hilarious and fantastic. And then it just devolved into get a job. (laughs) 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 Wait a minute. What are you? Where, where are you guys? It's like they were dropped in from some other rally that broke up early down the street. And they didn't want to go home yet. Oh, it was fantastic. So, you know, and the pro-reform folks were very well behaved and they had their own little chants, which were kind of, you know, not 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 so uh, antagonistic. But, you know, it's going to get that way. And I think I think this goes back to the whole 
McCain Palin, you know, there were folks in those crowds that had this same kind of anger. And I, I don't know, it has to do with a lot of things, with spending, government, uh, people feeling like they don't have a real voice, that kind of stuff. But it also has to do with some people that, you know, just kind of are on their own. So I want to so- do me some shouting. Where can I go scream at somebody? And then they just sort of say, well, there's this health care rally. Go, oh, that's a great place to screech. I'll head down yeah. there. Yeah, and my favorite is when every there was one uh, I think in Pennsylvania, one town hall where the group outside just started chanting "Angry Mob." <laughs> Please tell me you have audio of that. Great, no, I I don't have it. I've heard it, but I I actually don't have that. Which is and it was it was a CNN folks were there and it uh, just yes that is awesome. Well, that's like every single time we would have. Uh, I mean, in the, in the build up to the, to the Iraq War and it went two thousand three, two thousand four, whatever. In the early days of the Iraq War, we would have these huge anti-war protests. But it was just like a matter of time till you would get a bunch of jugglers on unicycles who were there because they want free pot everywhere. I mean, it was just like you would they you, they just follow you around. They they're, they're everywhere. You can't get rid of them. Um, so, so there's that. My final observation. I I only offer this because yeah. I'd seen it and you reminded me of it. I will simply say without comment that I was at a gas station in Vancouver, Washington, uh, about two weeks ago before I left for New York. And there was a rather large American uh, wearing, as they always uh, wearing, as they they always do in Vancouver, sort of like ill-fitting garments with like the little like plasticky flip-flop sho- shoes. And he was gassing up his truck, and the bumper sticker on the back said McCain Palin, and then underneath that it just said Jesus, guns, and babies. And I, I swear, and the thing is, my BlackBerry is like the one BlackBerry model that does not have a camera. So I was like, Laura, give me the camera. And I was scrambling to try to take a picture without the guy turning around and going, what you photographing me for? And I, and, and I wasn't able to do it before he drove away. But it said McCain Palin with the actual logo. Like, it wasn't a homemade thing. And it said Jesus, guns, and babies underneath <laughs> it. It was awesome. So if you ever see that, you've got to buy me one. That is fantastic. All right, I'm, I'm looking now. All right. Thank okay. you, Lisa Desjardins from The Hill. You have a great day. Hey, you too. Oh, there you go. And the guy probably looked like a big meatball with uh, toothpick legs. <laughs> it's like you were Ketchup in my hands on the toothpick the whole time, Tim. All right. Uh, straight ahead, we're going to talk to Don Taylor from Movies.com. Coming up at 740, Joe Rogan. Stay there. We're live from Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunion, sir. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. In just moments, we talk to Don Taylor uh, from Cinematical and uh, Movies.com. It's 503. Is it Movies.com or Film.com? i got to write this down. I'm not sure. I think it's Movies.com. All right. Okay. I now think it's Movies.com. All right. Yeah, I'm going to write that on my hand. I'm going to get that, like, Ozzy got uh, Ozzy tattooed across his knuckles just so he would not forget his own name during interviews. Uh, it's uh, 503-228-4101. You can text at 520 520- Five one. Sometime uh, inside this hour, we're going to give away a pair of tickets for you to see the cult. We're coming to uh, the Roseland, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to be at the Roseland Tuesday, August twenty fifth. The cult playing the Love album uh, all the way through, which seems to be the thing that bands are doing now. That's because Motley Crue did Doctor Feelgood all the way through, and I think somebody told me that in Europe, Springsteen is doing Born to Run 
all the way through. He's just like born to run back to back. So I uh, uh, from all the you know the front to the back, and I think at the Roseland the Colts going to be playing love. So sometime this hour we'll give those away. Tim Riley, what head, uh, headlines are we uh, tracking for the people of Portland today? There's a new convenience store, especially for bicyclists that just opened. And a group of supporters with two parents accused of child abuse rally on their behalf. To They want their kids to be returned to them. Oregon's unemployment rate goes down, but not very much. All right. Uh, Joe Rogan's going to be joining us at 740. And uh, later on, we'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ. And we'll track the Great Jenkum Scare of 2008, a chronology in absurdity. That's all on the way. Let us uh, welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show from Cinematical and Movies.com, Don Taylor. Hello. Hello. Have I gotten that correct? It is uh, cinematical and movies dot com. Yes. Yes. Those are those are both me. Just one of them. One of them. Make sure I didn't want to uh, come right out of the gate uh, speaking untruths to the audience. So I'm gonna. I, I'm not gonna do that thing of pretending that that I don't know uh, what you're gonna mention because uh, I asked you before and I'm like so so. Like, what, is there anything coming out that we should really talk about? And you said, and then you sort of downplayed it, though. You said, well, there is the 25th anniversary Last Starfighter. You say, as an aside, like it was a meaningless fingernail pairing of a movie. Like it was not the saga of Alex Rogan who defends the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. That's true. I, I, I may have downplayed it a little bit. Again, it, this is, it's not one of my, like, great best favorite movies. But, like, when I told my husband that it was coming out on, like, Blu-ray, DVD, and new entities, he's like, oh, Last Starfighter! He, got, he did a little dance. Dudes love The Last Starfighter. I mean, it's because it was... The Last Starfighter was a great film because... That was an era when video games. I mean, even even now, there's a little bit of a stigma if you're a big if you're a big gamer. But then there was this, all of this sort of uh, yeah, all this sort of social um, uh, detritus that had attached itself to video games, and adults had not yet really started playing them. So if you were a kid who were really in the you know, was really in the video games, you just all you heard from your parents and your teachers and whoever constantly was that they were terrible for you and they were going to rot your brain and they were awful. And so this, the last Starfighter not only showed the video games were good, but they could actually be used to save the entire galaxy. Uh, yeah, you, you could hold it up to your parents and say, okay, yeah, I may seem like a slacker and a loser now, but Robert Preston could show up and whisk me away to save the universe. <laughs> Seriously, Dana Hurley and I are going to be, uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, going into death blossom mode in the Starfighter ship later on, Mom, so I'm going to need to practice this. You'll need to get out of my room right now. Awesome. Is there anything of, I mean, is it, so it's a 25th anniversary DVD. Is there anything, like, are there last Starfighter bonuses that I might not have previously seen? Probably not. Uh, the commentary track is the same one that was on the 1999 DVD release. So if you've seen that one, you know, you've seen, you've seen that. Um, there's some making of stuff. I, I, I'm not familiar with the original DVD release, so I have no idea how much of the extras are duplicated. But, yeah, there's a making of thing. There, there's actually a bunch of stuff. So there's some extra duplicate. And, again, if you're somebody who's upgraded to Blu-ray, it's on DVD and Blu-ray. So you'll get nice high-def you know, fancy pants visual. I'm going to ask you this. Here's a question. And I know that as a guy, I, this is a thing that I should know about. It's part of the male cultural imperative, but I just, but my technical knowledge is sadly lacking in specific areas. So when people talk about Blu-ray, yeah. is that for, for all intents and purposes, if I am at home in my living room and, I, and I'm watching something on my, on my screen, presuming I have, you know, like a, like an HD compatible screen or whatever, it, is Blu-ray effectively just the same as? I mean, is it just HD under a different name? In other words, is there some is there some difference between Blu-ray and HD as a God. viewer? I I I am not a tech geek, so I can't really answer. And anything I say, you will probably end up getting a bunch of people calling and 
and texting and saying that I'm an idiot. Hold on. Well, so, Greg's body language indicates that he knows the answer. Greg, oh. do you know the answer? All right. Well, I know a little bit about this. So there was Blu-ray and there was HD DVD, which is essentially, they're, they're pretty much the same thing. It was like VHS right. and beta. Right. Okay. So Blu-ray is... A lot like an H. Yeah, it's pretty much H. But like, it's, but in other words, people say, well, no, the Blu-ray gives you like a much crisper, cleaner image, and it's you know, it's, you know, and it's sharper and whatever, which which I get. But I mean, it, in other words, is it different than like just a regular HD image somehow? Like if you're you know, because we've all done the thing where you flip back and forth between an, a regular channel and an HD channel, and you can see the difference. But if I were to flip back and forth between, let's say, like. Uh, you know, if I'm watching uh, Wing Commander, as I always do, on HD, and then I was to go to the Last Starfighter Blu-ray, am I going to see some, like, difference between Blu-ray and HD? I mean, I know it sounds like a minor point, but it's confusing. I, it's a thing that I ought to understand that I don't. So it's like i got to turn in my Y chromosome. I think the biggest difference, the biggest thing that really distinguishes it, it's really, it's the format. Um, just like they had to make a decision at one point whether the industry was going to go with DVDs or mini-discs, um, that there was the battle back and forth between VHS and beta. Uh, Blu-ray is the format. It's like somebody invented and patented Blu-ray. And, like, there really was this summit where, like, the porn producers got together and said, which high-def which high uh, format are we going to support the most? And since they drive the entire video industry, they chose Blu-ray. And so basically everyone has followed along in suit. So Blu-ray is the high-def format. Everybody can insert their own porn-slash-Blu-ray joke uh, <laughs> right now at home. I will not uh, do that here at this time. Is there anything else uh, that, is, uh, that is notable coming out on DVD? You said it was kind of a sad week for releases. It is. It, it's a sad week because, like, the, the big release, of the, you know, that was in theaters is the Hannah Montana movie. So, you know, you know it's a sad week for DVDs. There's one really interesting movie that's on DVD today. Uh, it's called Surveillance. It uh, was directed by Jennifer Chambers Lynch, uh, David Lynch's daughter. She directed uh, Boxing Helena yeah. 15 years ago, which was like so universally loathed that she hasn't like been she hasn't shown back up again for let, like 15 years. Let me just say this: Boxing Helena was loathed by everybody who was not Rick Emerson. Uh, I was and uh, Greg Nibbler again weighing in on the Boxing Helena tip. In, indeed, I enjoyed Boxing Helena. Boy, and I will just, uh, I'm just, I'm not going to lie about this. I enjoyed Boxing Helena because I was like 18, uh, maybe, and uh, there were lots and lots and lots of um, really what seemed to me exceptionally explicit and often slow motion sex scenes with what, who is the girl in Boxing Helena? Oh, God. It's not All I can ever remember about it is that it was supposed to be Kim Basinger, and she got fired and she sued. Kim, by the way, Boxing Helena, and I'm not making this up if you don't know it, it, it's about a guy who falls in love with a chick who doesn't love him back, so he cuts off her arms and legs and keeps her in a box under the bed uh, so she can be his forever and ever. So I get that's the plot, but I don't really – now that I'm saying it, I don't really remember much else about it except that there's a sequence where – there's a sequence where it's like him and the chick with no arms and no legs. Now, I realize that by saying that it's really hot and that I'm describing her as being all stumped up, that I'm, that I'm making myself sound like, like I have a fetish for amputee porn, which I do, but – that it's him and then the chick with no arms or no legs and then a hooker and they're all getting it on on a bearskin rug or something. Lots of boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Way to boil it down to its bare essence. Well done, Greg. I'm sorry, Don. I I know you were talking. What is but what is the new movie that is presumably not this? The, the new movie that's not presumably that uh, surveillance. It's um it's actually a little uh, crime film um with a whole lot of kind of really brutal violence in it. Uh, it's about a pair of federal agents played by Bill Pullman and Julia Ormond 
they come to this rural little black backwater town to investigate a multiple homicide. And the conceit is there's three rooms that have been set up as interrogation rooms, and you watch the survey, you know, through surveillance cameras, you watch the video footage of the interrogations, and then she cuts in flashbacks of what actually happened. Okay, that's, I'm totally sold. See, that's a high concept that immediately sells me in the film. I will, I will watch it just based on that description. It's also, if you liked Boxing Helena, you may really love this, too, because it's, it's really a lot of fun. The, uh, the acting is very campy and over-the-top. Um, some of the violence is exquisitely brutal, and it's, it, it varies wildly between taking itself too seriously and being just really goofy, and it has, like, this insanely silly ending. So, okay. Yeah, you've, you've just described really every film uh, that is in my collection. Awesome. Well, that's Surveillance by right. Jennifer Lynch. And uh, so next uh, week when you are here, I won't bring it up now, uh, but I will just say that you, that I'll leave it at this. Uh, when you're here next week, we'll, we'll address uh, some recent uh, controversy uh, that, that surrounded you and your film reviewing. Um, <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. So we'll talk about next time you're here. All right. Have a fantastic day. Don Taylor from Cinematical and Movies.com. Awesome. Thank you. Guys. All right. There you go. I'm so glad you're with me on the boxing Helena thing, too. That's a, that's not really like a secret, but it's a thing you don't really volunteer at parties about yourself. Well, Rick Emerson, what do you do? I go home and I watch boxing Helena. I gotta leave now. All right, straight ahead, we'll uh, have more from Tim Riley. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Stick a bastard in it, you crap! The Rick Emerson Show returns! Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. In just a moment, uh, Tim Riley uh, will give us news, observations, opinions, and facts of interest. Uh, hello, Ryan. You have the difference between Blu-ray and HD DVD, or HD TV anyway. Yeah, well, the difference is HD TV. Uh, HD itself is a recording format. So you have, you know, standard, then you have... HD 720p right. or 1080p or I being progressive or interlaced, progressive being the better of the two. Um, then you've got Blu-ray or HD DVD, which is a media format. Um, Sony came out with Blu-ray. Toshiba came out with HD DVD. Sony did it better because it holds 40% more data than the HD DVD did. So Blu-ray won out for that reason. So let me put it this way. So if I have, if I have two identical TVs side by side and one is showing me the last Starfighter on Blu-ray DV, you know, off a of Blu-ray, uh, you know, disc. And then right next to it, a guy is watching the last Starfighter in HD on, like, you know, HBO or something. Am I going to see a difference? If it's both broadcast in 1080p or I, um, if they're broadcast in the same format, um, then then no, you're not really going to see a difference unless you've got a really crappy connection on your TV or you've got a really crappy TV. You know, in a weird way, this makes me long for progressive blindness because then none of this will matter. I won't have to worry about anything. You know, just, I just you want just enough of a cataract that I don't have to worry about the you know about upgrading my television. That's kind of my deal. All right, thank you. If you got a, P, a 1080p or a 720p picture, you're gonna you're gonna do fine. You're not gonna care what's the difference. Also and very the fact the matter is, most people they can't actually see a difference between 1080p. And 720p. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. That is uh, Ryan there, clarifying things at least somewhat for my tiny earth brain. All right. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. 
In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland, 726 now. The heat wave continues today. High temperatures will be in the mid-90s. A woman and her dog have been rescued after falling down horse tail falls in the gorge. Jody Up went off the trail to get her dog Tass some water. Well, Tass fell this is down. the beginning of a nursery rhyme. Up tried to get Tass out. Both fell 30 feet down the falls and had to be rescued with ropes. The Multnomah County Sheriff's Office warns everyone to stay on the trail or end up suffering this embarrassment of falling over the falls like Jody Opp. If you get off the trail, we have no sympathy for you. The family of the woman found dead in several feet of trash in a Gresham home was a shopaholic. They tried to break Claudine laboring of her habit, but the trash grew in stacks four feet high. She refrained from getting help. In the end, she died of her own incurable bad habit. There's a new convenience store for bicyclists. All you got to do is ride up to a window. It's called Convenience Cycle. Just opened up on the east side. They offer everything from bike parts to toilet paper. It's called the Smug and Flout. Yes. Bill Clinton has become the victim of a heckler. But in order for them to join that debate, they have to abandon... Hey, you know, you ought to go to one of the one of those congressional health care meetings. You do really well there. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, how about the TV uh, the TV correspondent who's upstage by her guest? She wouldn't have it. MSNBC's Contessa Brewer tells a guest, no, he can't ask her a question. For some reason, our government is happy to lose money on things. All right, Zach, it's a pleasure to have you, you with us. You know, I enjoy I have one okay. question. Can I ask you a question? No, because I'm the interviewer, and that's the end of my show, and the people in the next hour what get is very the Obama when I get uh, when I go over my time. There you go. Well, you don't want to screw with Contessa Brewer. I heard Imus try to do that one time. Uh, he was trying to pick a fight with her, and she uh, that, she she would have she doesn't truck with that uh, as they uh, as they say. And neither should anyone. Oh, people should know their place. Time for a geek watch. Here's your geek watch for Tuesday. High speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar dilemma, remember you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux. And I just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Comedian Patton Oswalt has joined the cast of Sci-Fi's upcoming drama series, Caprica. Awesome. On the Battlestar Galactica prequel, Caprica, Oswalt will play Baxter Sarno, a popular Capricorn comedian talk show host, on whose show Daniel Greystone, Eric Stoltz, and Amanda Greystone, Paula Macaroni, whatever her name is, ultimately appear. Caprica is currently in production in Vancouver, where everything else is. Oswald, uh, repped by Gersh and Generate, next takes a serious turn, starring in Big Fan, the directorial debut of the wrestler-writer Robert Siegel. He also has a recurring role in Showtime's The United States of Terra. First of all... Please don't ask me to repeat the story. I was just going to say, there's... There's so much here that I... Uh, that Maybe I, I should I, just I, post this somewhere <laughs> where everyone can read it who's interested. <laughs> this really functions better as text. No offense. Just because there's, really there's so many layers to this story. First and of all, I purposely don't pre-read these just for the excitement of it all. And you deliver, as only you can. We should note that Robert Siegel is not himself a wrestler. He is not a wrestler slash writer. He is, in fact, the writer of the film The Wrestler. Starring Mickey Rourke. Uh, and then uh, Eric Stoltz... Is that the mask guy? 
He was in The Mask. That's what I thought. The Masked Guy. Eric what Stoltz. Do you mean, ever, Robert Siegel? Oh, yeah. No. I don't know what's going on. I'm getting everybody confused. I thought you were talking about The Masked Wrestling Guy. What no, no, Masked no, Wrestling no, no. Guy are you talking about? The movie, The Mask. With Jim Carrey? No, another one. I don't understand anything. I started out understanding the story, and now I'm like in Tim's head, and it's a terrifying place to be. It's just filled with thickets and spiders. All right, well, whatever. There, you know that story's online. Go find it yourself. You're, you're look. If you let, let's That's be honest, if you care about Caprica, you're probably online right now, nerding out the pictures of uh, Mariska Hargitay. So I mean, you know, really. All right, it's 503-228-4101. Back at 740 with Joe Rogan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk to Dax Holtz. Also, uh, Sarah Dillon will join us from Brooklyn. You stay there. We are live from downtown Portland, Oregon. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain. Your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 520-51. We'll talk to uh, comedian Joe Rogan here in just a uh, few minutes. He's going to be performing at the Aladdin Theater, uh, as well as doing the uh, announcing uh, for UFC, uh, the UFC event that's happening uh, August 29th, and he'll be at the uh, Aladdin the night before that. Uh, Tim Riley is tracking the following stories for your edification on this Tuesday morning. So now we have the latest in the White House that the president's spokesman, Robert Gibbs, insists the administration is not shipping its goals on health care and is not distancing itself from a government-run insurance option. And that goes counter to uh, what the Health and Human Service Secretary Kathleen Sebelius said the other day. So they're saying that she is wrong and Obama is not backing down. Wait a minute. I don't, I'm so confused. So... So there was the, there was one plan which was then roundly was assailed by everybody, and he's changing. But then the White House is claiming he's not changing. Right. All right. Apparently, Obama himself never said that he was changing. Well, but that's, it was this Health and Human Service Secretary that said his mind is changing. But that's the thing, right? It's like it's never going to be Obama. Like he himself uh, will never say like, and all of those ideals for which we fought during the election, I have abandoned them. All of those principles and core beliefs that brought us to this place, I will leave everyone behind. I mean, that's like you would never, as they always say, you got people for that. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be on uh, on camera admitting that sort of thing. That's uh, that's why you hire a flack to go out there and get a bunch of guff from the press room. Here's Tim Riley. Exploding iPhones. Could you be next? We'll talk about that coming up in a few moments also. And Vancouver is going into the 21st century. They're using Twitter and the Facebook. This is Vancouver. Washington. No, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, by the way, hey, did you ever see like the, when a city has a MySpace account or a Facebook uh, account or something, and you wonder, A, who thought it was a good idea, and then you wonder about what poor soul has to sit there and update like the Puyallup MySpace page every day. Like whose job description? Because that's almost certainly something they're not being paid extra for. As you're some guy has got to sit in the cubicle farm uh, somewhere, and he's got to be uh, doing, like, the Twitter feed for Prosser. Um, these are the things that uh, crop up inside my head. By the way, speaking of things that crop up inside my head, this email says, For the love of sweet holy God, Eric Stoltz was in the movie Mask, not The Mask. Okay, so I think we came to this conclusion during the break. We sorted all this out. It says, uh, Eric Stoltz was in the movie Mask, Mask with Cher and Chris Christopherson. Cher was in uh, Cher yes. was in Mask, but I don't remember Chris Christopherson being in that. What did Chris Christopherson do? I don't remember him being in that either. 
He said he played the kid uh, Rocky with the weird face head problem. Uh, and he said, 7.30 in the morning, you're already uh, you're already making my head hurt. All right, well, so there you see, go. I knew I was right, if not half right. Nah, see, I, I knew the word mask was in it, but what was it? I remember the share thing, though. I just don't remember the Chris Christopherson deal. I don't All know. Right. Well, Maybe you know it was what? really Lyle Lovett. I'm suffering from cerebral collapse, so we're going to move on, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, 503-228-4101. It's the Rick Emerson radio program on Rock 101 KUFO. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show Joe Rogan. He's going to be performing at the Aladdin Theater Friday, August 28th. And, of course, he's going to be doing the uh, color commentator for the UFC event happening Saturday, August 29th at the Rose Garden Arena. Uh, and his uh, new show, his TV special, Talking Monkeys in Space, will replay September 11th, 1 a.m., uncensored uh, on Spike TV. Joe Rogan, good morning to you, sir. How are you on this fine Tuesday? I, I'm excellent. Good morning. What's happening? Uh, not a whole lot. We are uh, here dispensing our sublime wit to the people of Portland, as is our want. I have to ask you, out of the gate, before we do anything else, you've talked a lot about the art of comedy and the um, the craft of comedy, and obviously you're a guy who has a tremendous love for and ability with words and the specific interactions between sounds and phrases and just the right syllable at just the right time. So my question for you is, what is the most challenging element for you when you're putting together a, a stand-up act? Is it the concepts or is it the sort of specific wordplay? It's, at first, it's definitely the concepts <clears throat> because, you know, wordplay doesn't mean anything if there's nothing behind it. You know, if there's no thought behind it, if there's no specific idea that you're trying to get across, then it's kind of useless. And I mean, it's definitely what it's, you know, stand-up comedy, the whole art of it is just trying to, you know, show somebody else how you see things and do it with like an economy of words and do it in the 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 the, the most efficient way possible and also do it in like the most effective way possible it's a tricky little thing you know how did you go from how did you get hooked up with the UFC cuz i know you've been doing that for a long time but i don't i don't think i know the introduction the story of how the, the introduction happened how did you come to be doing that well, I started working for them a long time ago. The old owners uh, were this company called SEG, and I started working for them in 1997. I used to do the uh, post-fight interviews, and uh, it was back when I was on uh, the, the sitcom news radio. And I, I just kind of became uh, – my manager is friends with one of the guys who was uh, uh, one of the original producers of the show, and they needed someone to do post-fight interviews. And I, I did it you know, almost like for a goof. You know, I just was a big fan of the sport, and back then nobody knew who, what it was. And I, I did it for a couple of years, and then the uh, new owners came along, and uh, they found out that I was uh, a fan. They invited me to uh, go to uh, some of the events. This is like back in 2001 or 2002. And I became friends with them, and, and then uh, they uh, hired me to do commentary. It's really just kind of a lucky thing. Do you remember the first time you were sitting there watching a, the UFC uh, event or anything like that, sort of a no-holds-barred thing, and... Do you remember your first experience of watching a guy just get the you know just get cross jawed right in the face or something and saying to yourself like holy holy god what am I experiencing? <laughs> well, sort of. You know, the first time I saw it live, it's pretty trippy because it was in Dothan, Alabama, and uh, it, no matter how effed up what you're doing, if you're doing it in Dothan, Alabama, it's more effed up. And uh, we were in this uh, weird little high school arena, and it was like UFC 12, it was like the you know. That was like the number of the event, and it was it was pretty pretty interesting, you know. And to to be back then, like really early in the beginning, back when nobody knew what it was, and it would 
go to the ground and everybody would yell out gay and it was, it was really interesting you know talking to uh, Joe Rogan and you, uh, comedy is you know when I talk to musicians I always want to know about the album that that inspired them or the the song or the record that's that sort of began everything for you do you remember the, the specific uh, the routine or the specific comedy recording that, that where you saw it and you said that's that's a good job that's what I want to do well, I, I remember the first time I ever saw uh, something that really blew my mind, you know, but it was way before I ever thought that I could ever do comedy. I was a little kid. I was like, I think I was about 13 or something like that. And my parents took me to see Richard Pryor's uh, concert movie live at the Sunset Strip. And uh, I, was, um, I was in the audience and I was watching it. And I just remember it was so funny. Like, I couldn't believe how funny it was that this guy was just talking and it was so hilarious. Like, I looked around, and the, the people in the audience were falling out of their chairs and slapping their knees, and it was so hilarious, much more hilarious than any of my favorite movies. And all it was was just a guy talking. And I, I remember just being blown away by that. But it was way before I ever thought that I was eventually going to do comedy or even dreamed that I was going to do comedy. I just was just amazed. And then as I got older, I just became more and more of a fan of, of the art form and, you know, watching like, you know, uh, Evening at the Improv uh, on television and watching HBO specials and stuff like that. And then eventually I, I wound up trying an open mic night and, you know, the rest is kind of history. A lot of guys uh, who start in stand-up, they'll, it's almost like, I heard uh, John Grisham of all people, the author John Grisham said, he told the, the weirdest story, he said that whenever he meets lawyers, uh, you know, because he was a lawyer and then he left to become a novelist and he'll meet lawyers and he said they always come up to him and they say, oh, you're such an inspiration. You managed to get out. And it sort of seems like that way with comics. Sometimes these guys who start in stand up and then they get movies or TV and they they lose the desire to go back. And, and you know, but you've done a lot of things. You branched out and you've stayed with it. Why do so many guys do you think leave and then they st they just stay gone? It's the pressure. You know, I think that's what it is. I think sitcoms are such an easy world in comparison if you're successful. You know, if you can make it as a movie star or a television star, you're more removed from people. <clears throat> you don't you don't need to to be in front of them all the time and to be constantly creating something new. You know, all you have to do is you hire a team of writers and, you know, you, you do a good job acting out what they've already written and you kick back and relax and drive your Ferrari. Do you think people get to, do you think comics, they, 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 the struggle scares them so much that once they have that security dangled in front of them, it's just like, I don't, I don't want to go back to wondering where I'm going to pay the rent next month? Yeah, well, it's it's not necessarily that. I think more than that, it's the pressure. It's just the pressure of performing. You know, for a lot of guys, it's just it's a lot. You know, like the idea of bombing. Bombing is a, a horrible, horrible feeling. Like as good as stand up is when you're killing, is it as bad as it is when you're bombing? It's the full spectrum. And I think for a lot of comics, you know, that pressure of constantly coming up with new material, constantly trying to you know top what they've already done, and you know the the respect their peers and you know there's a lot of pressure involved in it with a lot of guys and you know it's it's really just kind of a matter of how you look at it you know if you look at it as you know it's it's exciting and it's challenging and it's fun and it's rewarding you know if you look at it all these positive ways you know then it just always remains positive like you guys like George Carlin you know he kept doing stand up like well into his 70s i believe it was when he died <clears throat> you know but other guys just you know, they get a sitcom and they just fall apart. You know, they just don't want to do it anymore. They just would way, rather do television. You know, Jay, kisses your ass, it's easy. Uh, Jay Moore, actually, he he, he talked about the, the pressure when he was on SNL being so much that he 
he in his this this sort of semi autobiography he wrote he had a chapter about how he stole a joke at one point and he, he just felt plagued with guilt about it and he said he did it because of the the pressure to again top himself and you know to please the audience and the whatever uh, who in your opinion is the most ripped off comedian um, I mean the you well, know the guy from everybody yeah, takes from the most off the most yeah wow that's a good question I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Uh, David Tell has been ripped off a bunch of times, and really more of his style than anything. Like, there's like ten different guys in New York that have like the same style as David Tell, which is uh, almost like a more flattering version of ripping somebody off. But if you know David Tell's style, it's such a right. unique way of you know his cadence is so unusual. You know, when uh, I guess it's like infectious, and some guys who really admire him just accidentally wind up sounding like him. So if I had to pick one guy, I would probably pick him. Uh, Joe Rogan going to be performing at the Aladdin Theater Friday, August 28th, and uh, then as color commentator for the UFC, Rose Garden Arena, Saturday, August 29th. Uh, the uh, second-hour TV special, Talking Monkeys in Space, will replay September 11th on Spike TV. Final question before we wrap it up. Uh, what will be the uh, song playing underneath the opening credits to the movie of your life? <laughs> Hopefully nobody makes it. I think movies of someone's life are almost uh, unanimously horrible. You know, have you ever seen one that's really good, a movie of someone's life? It's always like glorified BS and, you know, they twist the facts to, to keep the plot moving along. And, you know, I mean, it, I, I would like eventually to write a book, uh, just a, a really honest book about my life experiences. But as far as a movie in my life, like, that's, that's silly. You gotta it's put like that in your... your life to a rhyme. You know, <laughs> put that in your will right now, right next to the do not resuscitate order and no <laughs> film of my life. Joe Rogan, best of continued go. success in uh, life, art and all things, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. There you go. Joe Rogan, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Awesome. Coming up top of the hour, we'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ. Uh, we've also got uh, more on the way from Tim Riley. We'll have the great Jenkum scare of 2008. And we'll talk to Sarah Dillon live from Brooklyn. You stay there. We are back after this. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Live from Portland. It's Tuesday morning. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Why am I an alcoholic? I haven't an epping clue. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at 820, we'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ. At the news desk, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center downtown Portland. 805 now. The heat wave continues. Expect highs today in the mid-90s and even 100 tomorrow. A group of supporters with two parents accused of child abuse gathered on the steps of Multnomah County Courthouse to rally for the state to give the kids back to the parents. Oleksandr Kozlov and his wife Lilamia are charged with abusing their kids since they arrived from the Ukraine in 2003. The mom claims the girls acted against their biblical teachings by cutting their hair. Their supporters claim it was just harmless spankings. Vancouver School District will use the Twitter and the Facebook to keep students, parents, and teachers informed this fall. They claim it's another tool in the 21st century education. And Vancouver continues to be a city on the move. That's right, Tim. It's the world of tomorrow. A thriving metropolis where everyone may breathe free in the air of liberty. 
Members of the Aryan nations are spreading their messages of hate across the Spokane Valley, leaving leaflets on doorsteps along with applications to join them. Re- leaflets? Really? Yes. Leaflets. So even Vancouver, even Vancouver has figured out how to use Twitter, but the Aryan nations is, they're, they're passing leaflets out. Leaflets on doorsteps. Mimeograph brochures tucked inside a screen door. Mm-hmm. Along with applications to join them, should you decide to do so, their P.O. Box number is located in Athol, Idaho. It's located where, Tim? In Athol, Idaho. Is that through? I'm sorry, yes. dumb joke. All right. By the way, just a little FYI, everyone in Spokane already belongs to the Aryan Nations. You can you can quit recruiting. They're already on the team. Maybe there's a family plan available. Possible. Here's Tim Riley. Apple is look looking into reports of exploding iPhones. More than one has exploded in Europe so far, prompting an investigation. An EU spokeswoman says Apple has been contacted and is looking into the reports. Uh, in a statement, Apple says it's aware of isolated explosions and is investigating. <laughs> okay, say what you want about Microsoft. Their products don't explode in your face. They These just are allegations of explosions. I'm sure. No, that's fine. The uh, I like the idea though that uh, that you might have an iPod that you know sometimes that thing will quit working or to get like a little sketchy sound or maybe the screen will start to get uh, you know blurry or it develops like a little uh, bit of watermarking. I do like the idea. It's part of the randomness that makes this universe a continually compelling place. The idea that it, it was sporadically one might just blow up. Also, this is like that story that, uh, I don't know, about 10 years ago, there was this, not really a rash, but sort of a handful of incidents where guys were burning their junk with laptop computers because there was this like one Dell laptop or something that came out. And the bottom, the battery compartment would like superheat. And guys would come in, and it was like their junk was all burned up, and they would eventually have to admit They didn't know that as it was happening? Well, I... There was no burning smell? It's a boiling the frog slowly kind of a thing, but not so much a frog as it is a penis. And and I think what the guys eventually all admitted was that they were online, like, getting their, you know, I don't know... Email? No, I was gonna I was gonna say hump, but it's not even... It's like a virtual hump. But they were, you know, getting their sex on with, you know, whoever in some chat room... Not really noticed, and then they thought, you know, and they thought the heating sensation in that area was perhaps the result of uh, l'amour, oh, but not so much that as it is like a like a blistering burning of your skin caused by a battery pack on your laptop. A Florida doctor was forced out of his job running a local health department after posting signs critical of junk food and donuts. Uh, doctor Jason Newstrom, the former head of the Bay Council Department of Panama City, got in trouble for saying. America dies on donuts. Well, it wasn't long before lawyers for Dunkin' Donuts of Panama City uh, contacted the health department saying, we'll sue you unless you take that poster down. I'm just and they did. Picturing a guy at the door with a badge, Dunkin' Donuts, Panama City. All right. Uh, well, let's do this. And then uh, before we uh, wrap this up, let me just say, we've been playing this soundbite. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. And that is from a story that just came out this past weekend from Phoenix. It was about how kids are apparently getting their anal bong on. I don't even know how that works, by the way. Like the logistics of that. If we're, are we going to get to, if at some point, if we can wrangle Joe Rogan in the studio, I'm going to play that for him and I'm going to ask him his thoughts on just how you put that together technically. So this reminds me of the great Jenkins scare of 2008. Greg wasn't here, and more amazingly, you weren't here, but you weren't even you didn't weren't even aware of this. I don't, I'm almost I don't even know what it is yet, but I'm almost embarrassed that I don't right. know what it is. So. Here's the thing, it, and I'm kind of amazed it didn't become more of a cultural touchstone. But it was a series of news stories that came out. Of, keep in mind, I am not making this up. These were in newspapers. This was in, and we actually had a local television station that reported on this scare. So I'll play. Uh, I just have a brief news story on this. 
I'll do a little soundbite, and then we've got the Dax Hole coming up in the next segment. So, ladies and gentlemen, I give you, this is a Fox News affiliate somewhere. I think it's in the Chicago. Here is a shocking heads up for parents about teen drug use. One Florida Sheriff's Department warns there's a new way for your kids to get high. And as Fox City's Jack Miller reports, they're using raw sewage. The Washington Post, the Drudge Report, and Inside Edition are all talking about Jenkum. It could be uh, toxic and, and harming. The bulletin describes Jenkum as gas produced by raw sewage that's allowed to ferment. Pictures show young people who appear to be breathing in Jenkum. This confidential internal document from Collier County was leaked by someone inside the sheriff's office. Deputies say it's no big deal because all the information in the memo is available on the Internet, and there wasn't enough concern to warn parents about Jenkum when the memo was written back in September. We had no known information that this actually occurred in Collier County. But he says what is known is that students are talking about it and parents need to be aware. Sewage is toxic and it's handled... Uh, Hat with, as a biohazard. We weren't able to confirm tonight if Jenkum is a problem for law enforcement in our area. Cops are calling it Jenkum or the human waste drug, but parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. Jack Miller, Fox 30 News. And at this point, it's not clear if Jenkum can even be considered to be illegal. There you go. Whatever happened to Jenko? <laughs> Hold on. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. By, by the way, and the story was just showing jars full of poo that kids were letting ferment, and then they were inhaling it to get high. Were there pictures of the kids actually inhaling it? Uh, there was a still of what they claimed to be a kid inhaling Jenko. <laughs> I have like 15 different Jenkum stories from news outlets around the country, uh, like with this soundbite. Don't let your kids go to bed when they come home at night until you've smelled their breath. Because they want you to smell your kid's breath to see if he's been inhaling. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. There you go. That was reported. I mean, and that's not like on some Internet news site somewhere. That was, that was on major television stations. We'll uh, do this when we come back. We've got Daxholt from TMZ. Before the show is over today, though, we had there was a local television station. There was a station right here in Portland, Oregon, that ran a big expose on butt hash. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> so I've got the whole thing. They may I deny that wait. they ever do it, but I've got the audio. So we'll play that when we uh, come back. We've also got Daxholt joining us from TMZ and more from Tim Riley. Stay there. We're live from Portland, Oregon. It's Tuesday morning. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. The Rick Emerson Show. They attacked me like a bunch of mad wolf, and they took forward until I was going to die, because they were like rabid animals. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Coming up here in just a few moments, we'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Sarah Dillon, who will be... So Sarah's thing is she is flying in uh, tonight... So I think she gets in like midnight or something, or 1 a.m., and then she, she's just going to, I mean, she's basically going to do what I did Sunday night. So she's going to fly in the night, she's going to stay awake, and then so when you hear uh, the voice of Sarah Dillon tomorrow, she'll have been up for, you know, like a good 18, 19, 20 hours. So, uh, so that'll be amusing for everybody. Also amusing for everybody is, as Tim noted, the fact that this Jenkum scare, which we were talking about in the, the last segment, which you, and it must have been a thing that was here and gone so quickly, this idea that kids were inhaling uh, decaying poo, with uh, wait, hold on, let me just uh, just so I can find this soundbite. This is this is really the iconic. Um, is my computer up over there, Greg? 
The, uh, Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butthash. And I don't understand how something that had the slang term of butthash, and by the way, I know I'm like blowing the, uh, the end of the movie for everybody, that it was totally fake, of course. I mean, it was just like it ended up being some photo that some kid doctored and stuck on the Internet. And then parents who are always willing to believe. I mean, that's the thing is it's totally, you know, it not unlike this business of the uh, even more graphic anal beer bongs. That they apparently are having a problem with in Phoenix. So Jenkum, of course, you'll pardon the pun, was complete crap. I mean, it was just there was no truth to it. But that didn't stop, for example, coin television. From doing a story on it. Now, the whole thing is like nine minutes, but I uh, I got just... Everybody uh, responsible for it is probably gone now anyway. <laughs> That's true. We should go, uh, we'll go interrogate one of the robot cameras about it. How sexy is too sexy in the work? Oh, I'm sorry. That's a separate coin thing. Tonight, a Lake Oswego grade school is on alert. At- no, see, I've got a... Alert. Boy, how sad is it that I've got an entire section of coin, <laughs> like, news bites? Uh, let's see. We've been on a couple of times. Have we? Yeah, they came over back when we were in that uh, that closet. Oh, that's right. But what appears to be an urban legend for now is sweeping the Internet by storm. Now, some people say this is just a myth, but others argue it's real and it produces a hallucinogenic high. Well, Coyne, Six reporter Joey Lanaga joins us with his special report tonight. Joel? Well, Jeff and Kelly, as the story goes, you can receive a natural, albeit disgusting, high derived from human waste. (laughs) And pardon the pun, but it is causing a big stink on the Internet and has now caught the attention of law enforcement. Some call it an urban legend. Why would you do something like that? Others call it a hoax. That's just disgustingly gross. I've never heard any humanly thing like that. It is known as Jenkum. The BBC first reporting the vile practice of fermenting human waste to get high by impoverished children in Africa. So there... <laughs> Because of urban legends must always start in some place where you can't really ever verify what's going on and where it seems like that kind of thing might happen. So would that have appeared in a college yearbook in 2007 since that was the big thing for the graduation year? So one of those like, who remembers bell bottoms? Yeah. But it'd be like, who remembers huffing poo? Tonight, Wink News now obtained a confidential internal memo sent around to the Collier County Sheriff's Office. What it shows sent a shockwave of disgust through our staff. The question now, is this new way for kids to get high described in this memo really being used in southwest Florida. Well, none of the students that we talked to around Collier County really have heard of the drug. Tonight, the sheriff's office confirms it sent that memo out. But students we spoke with say even if the drug is around, they don't want to be anywhere near it. It's called Jenkum. Basically, it's a concoction of solid human waste and urine mixed together to get high. Now, the memo that's circulating the Internet has the nasty details of how the human waste is turned into a gas and then huffed or breathed in. The sheriff's office memo suggests students are talking about it here at Palmetto Ridge. The memo states a parent emailed a deputy saying her son had heard about the mixture at school. Well, this document also says it's becoming a popular drug in American high schools. So there you go. I would love to meet the genius who posted that website originally. I mean, that's awesome. It it is fantastic. And that's just, you know, so we could spend all day playing nothing but newscasts where they were talking about kids huffing poo. That was the police chief who said it started in the country of Africa. Yeah, that's right. It was the country of Africa (laughs) where that started. And then I think, I forget who we called, who did we call about Jenkum? We called somebody, it was like the... uh, it was like the Portland branch of the National, like the Partnership for Drug-Free America or whatever, like one of those, you know, get your kids off drugs, you know, one of those like scare organizations for parents. 
And we called, and I was, you know, and I, I we didn't call them. I, I think it was on a cell phone, so I think you could only hear, hear my part of the conversation. But I called, and I was a concerned parent. I think my kid might be doing the poo huffing. And they were like, they were just full of information. They couldn't wait to help me with that. So, anyway, so we'd like to thank the good people in... Even more graphic, anal beer bongs. Phoenix, Arizona, uh, for reminding us of the entertainment value of a good, completely unfounded drug Parents, scare. Parents, talk to your children talk about to... anal beer bongs. <laughs> like father, like son. Son, let's have a little talk before you go to the school dance tonight. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs. In... All right. It's all about sterilizing the tubing, you kids. All right. Uh, we come up with... It may uh... seem like fun at first. <laughs> But you could really comp- compromise your future. It started with anal beer bongs, and then it just all went down the hill from there. It's, it's the gateway bong. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs. We're right. going to find some butt hash. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going to wait the requisite number of moments here. Yeah, all right. If you are caller 10 right now, you'll be going to uh, win yourself a pair of tickets to KUFO's Summer of Rock, Pedal to the Metal Tour, during Mudvayne, Black Label Society, Static X, and more Sunday, August 23rd at Washington County Fairplex. Find out more at KUFO.com and be caller 10 right now to win. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. They're scowling, goose-stepping commies. That's what freaks me out about them. Sour pusses. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hey, speaking of uh, goose-stepping commies, Tim, were you ever able to get that uh, that Russian, that singing Russian doll that I brought you from uh, Brighton Beach, the alligator with the accordion, was it able to sing and, da- and dance again? I haven't tr- tried it since yesterday, but I'll try it when we get off the air. It's just going to be filled with disappointment at this point. It's not going to be filled with I was going to let it sit and rest. It could have jet lag. <laughs> Maybe. It's, I was just glad we were able to... I'll have to go pull it off the uh, audio uh, logger because I, you know, at least it sang once before mm-hmm. it sort of it gave up the accordion playing ghost. Uh, we'll have uh, news with Tim Riley here in just a moment. Don't forget, uh, starting this Friday, KUFO's half-off sale uh, continues. Go to KUFO.com this Friday. be updated with uh, brand-new deals, including a $50 certificate to enjoy golf. No matter what your level of play, it's the course for you with 27 holes of par-3 executive golf as well as 36 holes of miniature golf at the Eagle Landing Golf Course atop uh, Mount Scott in southeast Portland. That is uh, Eagle Landing Golf Course. Starting this Friday at 9 a.m., you'll be able to buy yourself a $50 gift certificate for just $25. It is part of KUFO's continuing half-off sale. So $25 gets you $50. That is this Friday at 9 a.m. But if you are uh, caller 10 right now, you get one of those uh, right now in your hand before you can buy it. That is a half-off $50 gift certificate to Eagle Landing uh, Golf Course. And you'll be able to buy those this Friday. You'll get to one uh, right now if you're caller 10 at 503-228- 4101. News from Tim Riley in just a moment. Uh, first, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend uh, Dax Holt from TMZ. How's life in the world of celebrity scandal, my friend? It's always a good Rick. Are you kidding me? It's awesome out here. <laughs> so I saw these stills a while back, and there's this uh, sex tape, I guess, and it's got uh, Eric Dane from um, uh, from Grey's Anatomy and Rebecca Gayhart and then some other woman, but it's it's like a they're they're high or they're in a bathtub or they're high in a bathtub or something. Is there is it out? Can you is it watchable? Well, here's the thing. They're calling it a, a nude party. They're not calling it a sex tape because they say they never have sex in it. It's just them walking around nude and Eric's filming a lot of it. Um, but here's the thing. The third person, because Eric Dane and Rebecca Gayhart are married, so the third person is this girl named Carrie. I guess she was like some beauty queen at one point. Um, but anyway, <laughs> 
I guess she, Carrie had put the video on her hard drive, and she's saying that it got stolen. But here's the best part. She was saying that she was uh, living with Mindy McCready. Do you know who that is? Uh, is that a country singer? Yes. She was having a lot of drug problems. Well, I guess Carrie and Mindy met up during uh, one of the rehab shows. Awesome. <laughs> and started living together. And when Mindy, when Mindy moved out, she took the hard drive, and they kind of battled it out. And now this video has surfaced. So another drug rehabilitation show slash lesbian dating centers. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. I mean, it's awesome. It's so great. But uh, his uh, Rebecca's people and Eric's people are really ticked off. They're going after anyone that's posting this video. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting to watch how all this stuff plays out. You, you know, you just want to be like, people, if you're going to be naked, don't film yourself. Don't take pictures of yourself. It always comes out. It seems it, like if you're going to have, I mean, there's three things. There's sex, there's drugs, and there's a camera. One of those things has to go. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to stay with the camera on this instant. <laughs> and then speaking of drugs, so I know that, well, first of all, Jackson, Michael Jackson's still not buried. And then I think it was uh, his uh, Arnold Klein, who was, was that his dermatologist? Is that that Correct. doctor? And I think he's been evicted or he's been something bad is happening. Well, what happened was Arnie Klein's uh, landlord was basically trying to kick him out, saying you haven't paid your rent, you're back, you're behind. Uh, Arnie ended up paying everything, and so he's all good to go. He's going to be staying in the building. But this Michael, he's been sitting in a freezer. Did you know this? He's been at a freezer at Forest Lawn for the last almost two months. And, and so think, is this? That they're they said they're waiting for the birthday or something. But I guess it's just they figured that it's going to be more of a public spectacle if they wait and they and they do it or. Well, they, they, the family came out and announced that he's going to be buried, and it's going to be at the, the Holy Terrace and the Great Mausoleum at Glendale Forest Lawn. I mean, honestly, this doesn't seem like a place Michael Jackson would want to be buried. And it's going to be on his birthday, which would have been his 51st birthday. But to me, he always seemed like the guy that wanted, like, crazy crowds in Vegas, you know, with a pyramid on top of him, doves flying around. Like, that, to me, seems like a Michael Jackson burial, not at a, a cemetery in Hollywood. He wants to be buried in a John Woo film, basically. Exactly. Yeah, and I, it does seem a little uh, transparent that uh, that Joe Jackson is is pulling a lot of the strings at this point. But the good news is that even after death, Michael Jackson will clearly continue to give us grist for years and years to come, my friend. So, awesome. <laughs> exactly. All right. Dax Holt from TMZ. Thank you, sir. Thanks, dude. All right. And don't forget, you can watch uh, TMZ television every night at 1130 on Fox 12. It's 503 In mere moments, we'll be joined by Tim Riley at the news desk to do a uh, final recap on the day's happenings. Let's uh, welcome now to the show Sarah X. Dillon, you are, uh, you're, are you in Brooklyn right now? Where are you at? Hello. Yes, I'm still in Brooklyn, but I'm leaving uh, for the airport in like five hours. Okay. So this is, uh, wait a minute. So it's uh, 11. So it's almost noon there. So you, are you going to get any sleep on the, uh, on the plane? Um, I'm going to try to. I'm getting to the airport at like 5, and then uh, my flight leaves at about 8 East Coast time, so I'll get in at about 11, and then I'm going straight from the airport to the station where I'm going to be sleeping in the couch in the ladies' room. Awesome. Uh, by so the way, no sleep till after Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I love you. We should just end the whole show right there. Well done. Were you saving that joke, Tim, or did that just come to you? Like that. Boy, that's the... That's Years really of experience. That's where the goal... That's where oh, the gold God. lives. I miss you guys. I can't wait to come back tomorrow. <laughs> I uh, should tell you that, let's see, so I went to bed at uh, 9 o'clock last night, and that means that I had been up. By the time I went to bed, I had been awake for 12, 3. I've been awake for uh, 37 hours. 
Holy uh, crap. Because I, yeah, because, because I tried to nap yesterday and it just didn't, you know, it's that thing where, as Kenny Rogers would say, I was too tired to sleep. And so I just couldn't tossing and turning. And then finally, I'm like, you know, if I sleep now, I'm not going to nap. I'm going to end up sleeping forever. And so I can't do that. So I gave up trying to nap. And I went to bed last night at nine, but yeah, I've been up for like 36 hours, so that was a good sleep. So, uh, but that women's, the couch in the women's uh, bathroom is actually very comfortable. So it's, uh, you'll no, sleep I'm, well there. I'm going to try. I got, I got myself all cut up in true blood. So when I get back into town, I haven't seen Mad Men yet. So I'm going to watch Mad Men and then try and sleep. Or else I might just power through and just watch some Hulu and wait for you guys to get to work. And all right. Bed. Well, if you want to, I've got the Mad Men on DVD. So uh, you just, uh, you, you let me know. Uh, all right. Excellent. All right. Well, enjoy your flight. Travel safe. And uh, we will uh, talk to you tomorrow morning, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Sounds good. All right, Sarah. Bye. There you go. That's uh, Sarah Dillon, ladies and gentlemen, in Brooklyn. So uh, she'll be back tomorrow. Let's pay a final visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center, downtown Portland, 848 now. Expect the heat wave to continue with highs today in the mid-90s. Seven families forced out of their houses in Oregon City today. An early morning fire at Pioneer Ridge Apartments. The building's on Myers Road, just off Highway 213. Nobody was hurt. The Red Cross was there to hand out coffee and donuts. No more dogs in stores. That's a reminder from the state. Although Portland's very dog-friendly, they're increasing reports of man's best friend in supermarkets. And that's a bad thing because there were reports of them licking meat, sniffing food, and urinating in store aisles. Pets are not allowed in grocery stores. By the way, speaking of grocery stores, I was at the uh, the Safeway last night where the uh, the unpleasantness had happened. Was it a stabbing? Now they say it was just a roughing up. Okay. Well, what, in any, so I was Which there. Which is a, a better thing, I guess, than I, a stabbing. I'll take roughing up over stabbing, I guess. But I, uh, but I, everything seemed to be calm, though. Everything seemed to be proceeding in an orderly fashion. So I, they've got a handle on stuff there. A group of angry neighbors in Dora, North Carolina, taking speeders to task. They put up a sign that says, warning, speed limit enforced by angry neighbors with paint guns, and they're ready to use them. The police department warns them that what they're doing is illegal. Well, they say, what happened to the police patrols? They'll take matters into their own hands. Once again, the speed limit will be enforced with angry neighbors with paint guns. Fantastic. Life under communism. Cuba is running out of toilet paper, and there won't be any more. They don't have enough trees there to make toilet paper. They have to import most of it. But they're running out, and there's no more money left to buy it. However, prices in Cuba have dropped from mayonnaise, barbecue sauce, and canned squid. One customer who only wants to be known as Pedro says it doesn't look like prices are going down anymore. The best part is how he only wants to be known as Pedro, and this is in Portland, where clearly uh, no one would know who he is. Yes. Also, you have to appreciate the cruel irony that you can eat all the canned squid and barbecue sauce you want, but there is no toilet wipe to be found. Mm-hmm. So there you And go. bad squid goes right through you, too. <laughs> Especially <laughs> drenched in barbecue sauce. That went right through me like a bad mollusk. Communism. Uh, all right. Uh, on that note, ladies and uh, gentlemen, we'll uh, draw the uh, curtain down on today's program. We want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Jim Roop and Lisa Desjardins, Don Taylor from Movies.com, comedian Joe Rogan, Dax Holt from TMZ, and Sarah Dillon, who uh, rejoins us tomorrow. Rick Emerson show produced today by Greg Nibbler, who has done a uh, splendiferous job of that, filling in hey, for Sarah Dillon. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, our friend Brent, who is uh, holding it down for us, and uh, so forth. Uh, at the uh, front desk, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds and executive producer one Christopher J. Paddock coming up next to do Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Boz. It is Tuesday, August 18th, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. I'm Rick Emerson. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.
parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butthead. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.